Hello, it is Feel Good Friday, December 18th. Massive show. It really, let's get right into it. Hey, by the end of the show, if you like this show, just go ahead, be a friend, tell a friend about it. If you don't like this show, probably something wrong with you, to be honest. All of our shitty shows that we've had in the past that you guys have sit through or sat through, we thank you for that. You've sat through it to get to today. Hell yeah. Let's have a Friday. Be a friend, tell a friend. Share the shit out of this show, please. Little guerrilla marketing tactics. Massive thanks to our guests that took time for us. And massive thanks to all of you. Let's get to it. We got James Laurinaitis joining. Ooh. Yeah, former Ram, former Buckeye, Uh-oh. obviously. Legend. He'll be joining us here in about 20 minutes. Can't wait to chat with him about what he's been up to. Uh, he's the only player in the history of the Big Ten to be uh, back-to-back Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, I believe. Pretty good. Wow. Pretty good stats there. Has a bunch of tackles for the Rams, but that Rams team was loaded with talent. They just couldn't win any goddamn games because they didn't have a quarterback for a while. Cannot wait to chat with him, obviously. Then we got uh, Steve Kornacki. Oh, yeah. my God. Kornacki hey, joining us, yes. He came into American yes. Spotlight, I believe, on election night. Uh, for those of us that aren't very knowledgeable in the entire political world, uh, but we were kind of forced to watch along because, you know, the world stopped that particular evening and you bounce around channel to channel. You know, if you're not a normal political uh, person, you probably have your channel, whatever, which I've learned since then. But for me, uh, when you bounced around channel to channel, there seemed to be one constant on each channel. And for me, somebody who has ADD and, uh, you know, uh, enjoys a lot of action and activity and you can judge a person's skill set right there. You're actually watching their skill. The map dudes mm-hmm. became the attraction for me for the entire election night. Uh, Fox had a guy. CNN had a guy that was Diggs's guy. We'll yeah. tell Kornacki that that uh, CNN guy was yep. Diggs's guy. Yep. The entire time. No, no, that wasn't a lie. That, that was, Truth. Hey, by the way, we got receipts too. We can go oh, check yeah. that out. Uh-huh. Remember, Diggs was screaming on Twitter. John, John Diggs the best guy. Check and I almost, uh, I sent a text to the group, I believe, that night and was like, hey, boys, I know some of you Diggs have your favorite map guys already, but if you haven't, need uh-huh. to bounce over to MSNBC. Mm-hmm. Yep. There is a guy that is an electric factory over there. Had rolled up sleeves. He put out a tweet before election night started. He's not going to sit down until the president's decided. He's been standing now for how long? I mean, shit's Three been weeks. real out Jeez. there. He's now getting a gig on Football Night in America. Steve Kornacki has a book out, I believe. I, he's this guy I didn't know existed. And then once you saw him start to fucking go. You see that thing? <laughs> There's 25 votes in that right eyeball. Zoom in. Okay, you got 15. Nope, let's bounce out. Let's do this. Okay, here, this town. Zoom it in. Boom. X, 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 X. X. Okay, let's go. Three things pop out. He's like, all right, let's put that one away. See that one? Bang, put that one away. Philadelphia is a problem. <laughs> Philadelphia down here. I loved him. He's now on Football Night in America. They set him up for sabotage this past week. Yeah. Yep. He didn't have the damn touch screen. You see what's what's a big part of his action is the touch screen. Mm-hmm. And Sunday Night Football somehow couldn't get him a goddamn touch screen that could work. That's problematic. Uh, we'll talk to Steve Kornacki about his thoughts on the playoff setup. And how do you become a map dude? There's yes. only a couple jobs. That mm-hmm. might be the hardest job to get in media. Yeah. Uh, so how did he get in there and... He hit a home run. And then after him, we have a surprise guest. What? Oh. What? Whoa. What? Wait, what? 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 Talking about? what? That's what I'm asking. What? what? We have a surprise guest. Uh, the surprise guest will be electric. I am very pumped about it. He kind of gave it away yesterday. Uh, mm. This is the first time we're ever going to do a surprise guest just because of how big it could have been. Uh, and, and it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Stone Cold Steve Austin. What? 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 
Yeah, so we have uh, James uh, Laurinaitis, Steve Kornacki, Steve Austin, AJ Hawk. How you uh, doing? Keep it moving. Feel good Friday. This will be the first time Steve Austin and I speak. Um, we had a phone conversation years ago when I was still playing because uh, his agent, I believe, uh, he and I were potentially going to do business together at the time, you know, the whole thing. And uh, he, you know, he said, oh, I rep Steve Austin as well. I was like, no way. He was like, yeah. So the next day I got a call from Steve Austin. Uh -huh. And I had a full conversation with him, like 15, 20 minutes. Uh, and he was like, go ahead and say my number. You know, like did the whole thing. And I was like, you got it. This is awesome. But then you don't want to be too weird. And then uh, like five minutes after the call ended or whatever, I got a butt FaceTime from him. <laughs> oh, nice. I didn't answer. I didn't answer it. I didn't answer it though because I knew it wasn't for real or whatever. He hangs up. He goes, "Sorry, but now." And then he goes, uh, uh, "We won't Facetime or something like that." <laughs> <laughs> or something like he doesn't. He said something like, "I don't Facetime or something like that." I was like, "Yeah," and I never used his number ever again or whatever. So this will be the first time that I get a chance to really speak with him and have a conversation with him and ask him a lot of questions. And he had uh, complimented me the other night with Fitzy and Maz on uh, Monday Night Tailgate mm -hmm. Show. Yep. So I cannot. I'm very thankful for that. Obviously, a uh, little. 90s kids everywhere are probably incredibly pumped about it. I'm one of those kids, mm -hmm. so I'm excited to talk to him about his life. Uh, Straight Up Steve Austin Season 2 uh, debuts Monday, January 11th after Monday Night Raw on USA Network. It is his birthday today, so we'll talk to him mm -hmm. for sure. And it's also uh, Ty Schmidt's birthday. Oh! Thank, you. Thank you very much. Happy birthday, Ty. I appreciate it. Um, 30 years ago today. Wow. Mm -hmm. I don't know what time. Uh, but one of the funniest humans to ever grace this planet was born, and for that we are grateful, pal. Grateful for all you guys. Thank you. It's it, been it's been a good day so far, so I appreciate it. It has been. I saw yesterday you had some horse soldier whiskey. Mm -hmm. yeah. You had some CBD out of your water pipe that you brought into this office mm -hmm. uh, numerous times so far. Mm -hmm. uh, your lady brought in a goddamn uh, what's that called? Anything bunt cake. It's, it was. Yeah. I've never had a bunt cake before. It was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Very good. Uh, we also had some Arby's pre-show. Obviously. Obviously. Uh -huh. It's been a good, happy birthday, dude. Thank you. I appreciate it. You and Stone Cold Steve Austin little birthday uh, tag team. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I I wanted to, uh, you know, maybe Stone Cold a couple Broken Skull IPAs. We couldn't find any, so, you know, I mean, it's okay, Indiana, though. Indiana, they do not have They any. do not have any of that them. That needs to change. What? What? That needs to change. Uh, at Boston, Connor, how you doing? Fantastic. What a game last night, Pat. Yeah, I mean, I was going to get into it after I had Tony Davis. <laughs> Good, I, Pat. How are you? I'm terrible. Terrible. Mean? I mean... Everybody knows I haven't been as hot as I once was whenever it came. I get it, and we're talking to Steve, but right now, whenever what we just uh, got brought up there about this game last night, my gambling, you know, although I'm still above 50% on a year, mm -hmm. so people are still making money, oh, yeah. okay, mm -hmm. off of my picks, which I am proud about. But, boy, the glory days that I had this season are seem to be long gone. Those things are in the rear view, and they're getting smaller and smaller as I'm continuing to drive faster and faster away. I started out this weekend here, week 15, 0-2 last night. I had the under, one to overtime, one to over. Mm. Uh, both teams scored in overtime, by the way. Never fucking happens. <laughs> Never happens. <laughs> over hits. Then, also, I had Raiders uh, minus three, and then minus three and a half as well. Just for no other reason other than Anthony Lynn's going to fuck it up. They need to win a game. Uh, and then, you know, Derek Carr pops his goddamn groin about you know, four minutes into the game. Justin Herbert, maybe the best quarterback I've ever seen in my entire life last night at times. I mean, he's going to be unbelievable. And then the Raiders just uh, throw an interception away at the end. No, 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 listen. Super Mariota 
is back. Oh, yeah, he is. Okay. He Marcus, Mar Marcus Mariota is all the way back. All right. That was awesome to watch him, actually. As somebody who played against him in the AFC South, I'm happy that he got his chance because he got, you know, he got run out of time by Tannehill. Uh -huh. And it was a quiet departure because of how much success Tennessee had. See you later. He signed for like $8 million with uh, the Raiders this offseason. Everybody's like, what's he doing? What's he doing? I assume he's had a chance to kind of move over everything that happened in Tennessee mentally, maybe get better at football because it seemed like it last night. And he was awesome to watch. But with that being said, the Chargers tried to give away that game last night. They tried to have the Raiders cover, and then, uh, you know, it just couldn't happen. Good game, good Thursday night yeah. football matchup. Went to overtime. Meantime, get that in divisional game. You know it's going to be good. Michael Lombardi told us yesterday, he's co-host of Hammer Don podcast. He said it's going to be a three-point game. So if it gets a three and a half, you're screwed, whatever it is. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened somehow, some way, yep. even though it looked like the Raiders were just going to score a touchdown on the first drive, game over, win by six, and cover how you doing, keep it moving. They couldn't do it. Uh, a great start to week 15. No, I'm pumped for the weekend. we got some games. got some games now. There, there's some things to bet on. But last night's game, I think the only thing we learned is that uh, the Raiders can't close yep. the season. Absolutely. Yeah. I think seven of the last nine seasons that uh, – John Gruden, his coach, he's not made a playoff. Correct. The Raiders were 6-3 and three and had the easiest remaining schedule in the NFL, everybody said. They've lost four out of the last five, and if it wasn't for Greg Williams' uh, cover zero blitz at the end of the game, they would have lost five out of the last five games. Uh, <laughs> There's just another collapse, just like last year, yep. and I guess just like uh, the seven of the last nine seasons for Gruden. What's the problem? Is this like Andy Reid's season? Like we used to talk Ooh. about, we used to talk about Andy Reid's season being something that was very real, where Andy Reid would draw up plays and he, for whatever reason, well, I know why, because if I had plays that awesome too, it'd be tough for me to keep some in the chamber, but he would just unload all of his plays. And then it felt like week 10, week 11, maybe going even forward week 12, everybody would figure out Andy mm. Reid's defense or Andy Reid's offense, and it would be a whole different team. It was called Andy Reid's season. People forget that because the last couple of years of Patrick Mahomes, mm -hmm. he can continue just to draw up any plays because everybody has, and they just keep doing it or whatever. But Andy Reid got that off his back. Is John Gruden the same type of – is all of his team kind of known about by a certain point and then it just moves on? Or is it the fact they don't have the quarterback that can really uh, continue to go? Like, like you know what I mean? Derek Carr, by the way, you're never going to see him in a Raiders jersey again. Probably not. Hell of a run. Ooh, yeah. Hell of a run. Good career. Good career. Well, you know, he's going to be a backup for a long, long time. He's going to be a journeyman in the NFL. So his starting career was fantastic. He is going to be a backup for at least the next year or two, I'd assume, after everything that's going on. A lot of people are saying that he – would have to earn his next contract here for the next couple of weeks. He pops his groin, tease and piece to that. Hope everything goes well with that. He's not going to be a Raider, though. He'll be a backup somewhere in a, you know, probably a very small contract. And then he'll get a chance maybe to do what Tannehill did, maybe to do what Mariota did, maybe to do what other quarterbacks have done whenever they get a chance to start and kind of prove themselves again. But that feels like that's going to happen. But with Mariota, is he the guy next year in Oakland? Oh, oh Oakland. Yeah, for sure. Oh, Oakland, that was Gruden's hat. Mm -hmm. Las Vegas. He is the guy, I think, though. They're only paying him $10 million, yeah, too. You can, you can do a lot of stuff with that why not give him a chance he looked good he looked you incredible know. last night Gruden's gonna chew him up and spit him out you just wait you think Gruden's a problem at Nick Morato is that what you're saying uh, I mean you saw the numbers we just talked about he Gruden oh man Rod Marinelli he was so good at Monday Night Football yeah. unbelievable Get him back. <laughs> he was so good at Monday Night Football and I know he's owed what 70 million at this point mm -hmm. or whatever 80 million dollars and Mike Mayock, who knows how that's going to continue to go, even though they seem to have a team that comes out of nowhere every single year and then they just mm -hmm. right into the end. Who knows what's going to happen with that? But he was so good at Monday Night Football. Yeah, the best. Eastman to just, to just make a deal with the Raiders. Hey, we'll pick up the 70 mil. We'll just Ooh. move it over to Monday Night Football. Pretend like this never happened. You guys do what you got to do. <laughs> That'd be awesome.
But I feel like Al Davis's kid loves John Gruden, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, that's a part of it. Gruden is a part of the Raiders, I believe, at this point. You know what I mean? The marketing, the strategy, the new city. And on the other side, Justin Herbert's really good. Awesome. Yeah. Congrats to Anthony Lane getting a big win. Nice yeah. job, I mean, there were some suspect decisions going on. Uh, at the end of the game, they were trying their best not to win it, but they did. Uh, Justin Herbert in primetime games this season. This is from at Ducks Cruton, which is Oregon's recruiting. <laughs> nice. Uh, page, 600 total yards, seven total touchdowns, zero interceptions. The kid's it. He's got moxie. Mm-hmm. He's got size. He's got all the ability. It seems like he knows what the hell's going on on the field. He makes plays he's not supposed to make. He see, has a little bit of big bend in him by, yep. while he's getting hit. He, can, he has a strong enough arm he'll be able to make a play. He's a dude, man. Uh, it was awesome to watch him. Congrats on getting the win. Congrats on yelling about getting in, too. I mean, that, yeah. that made a lot of uh, headlines last night on the internet. Uh, but that was, a, that was a great game last night. Great yeah, and if, if Rod Marinelli's going to call the worst uh, two-minute defense in the second half, he's going to take advantage of it. Well, Rod Marinelli, you know, he had a short week. Uh-huh. Okay, they got four starters out. The guy mm-hmm. had no chance going in no. there, which anybody that bet the Raiders, you'd think they would know that. But <laughs> – Aviva Lazito, <laughs> what is today's poll? I mean, I was sitting watching that game. I'm just like, uh, you got to be fucking kidding me. The first drive of Herbert, I was like, oh, yeah. This is how it's going to be. But then, yeah, right back. Raiders mm-hmm. come yeah. right back. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, pew, right to the groin, he goes. And then Mariota's running people over, dropping balls in the mm-hmm. bucket. I'm Ray like, throw to here we go. Like, we're about to He's win. Back. I'm back. I'm back. I know. I, I, I nod off for like 15, 20. I come back. What the fuck happened? <laughs> what, what happened? And then I realized I missed a lot. Two missed field goals, <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. an interception, mm-hmm. another missed field goal, a fumble potentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a lot that happened at the end of the game. Games are getting good. But Justin Herbert seems to be that guy. At Viva Lazito, your poll today revolves around that subject. Yes. Uh, who's the best rookie quarterback? Uh, last place right now, Tua. At 5.9%. Jordan Love, 8.9%. Joey Burrow, 197 And Justin Herbert, 65%. Jordan Love is rating higher than Tua Tonga-Valoa, which is Whoa. a surprise in this rookie yeah. quarterback <laughs> poll of Zito's right here. He hasn't yeah. dressed yet this year. I, and we've only the only film we have seen has not been good. Not, not no. good, yeah. Right not in the dirt. Happened. Jordan Love's PR people do need to do a better job of stealing film from practice and leaking out something <laughs> that's good. You know what I mean? Like somebody should ball. somebody should do that. Just a ball. Well, is there a chance that there hasn't been a ball well, thrown yet? The poll here says that Jordan Love is three percent better than Tua Tagovailoa. Do you think they're saying that because he's behind Aaron Rodgers right now? No, I think they're saying that because we got a lot of Packers fans that are just trying or trolls. Probably oh, the trolls. Mm-hmm. If I had a to guess, a lot of trolls. A lot of trolls. Doing right well, too. Yeah, yeah the trolls are moving the thing. But Justin Herbert and now Joe Burrow. If he survives Cincinnati, which, I mean, I'm not sure he's going to, especially with how this year went and everything. He looked unbelievable. But the shots he was taking, mentally, physically, they were just he was just getting slaughtered. And they're like, no, he likes that. I'm like, okay, <laughs> yes. I like that he likes that. I like that he likes that. I think it's very cool that he's that tough of a guy and he likes it and all that stuff. But I feel like Cincinnati Bengals potentially just ruin his career, right? Yeah. And let's, let's – and the Bengals fans, you don't deserve this, okay? Listen. Who they? Okay? Who they? Who they say gonna beat them Bengals? Well, everybody has, and that's kind of been the problematic mm. thing. And with you guys, with with Zach Taylor as head coach, nobody knows if he can be a head coach. Michael Lombardi said yesterday, "Poor guy, he, there's no reason he should have that job. He, there's he's nowhere near qualified for that job." <laughs> yeah. He said the only reason why he got it is because he knew Sean McVay or whatever. And then that conversation of is Zach Taylor gonna get fired doesn't even come up. By the way, everybody's like, "No, he's safe." We talked to Tom Pelissero who. 
has one of the greatest holiday Christmas cards uh, that, that the internet has seen oh, yeah. alongside his wife and baby. But he, he said that there's been no chatter about Zach Taylor getting fired or anything like that. Now, this was weeks ago or whatever. At this point, who knows what's going to happen. But Joe Burrow, if he remains, and this is why there was a conversation about him choosing the Eli Manning, the shit out of the Bengals, and say, I'm not going there. Now, Joe Burrow never said that, okay, but people that were potentially around him did say that that was potentially going to happen, and it's a real worry. With Herbert at the Chargers, are you more safe or, or comfortable with his future with the Chargers or Joe Burrow's with the Bengals? And it's like, that's hilarious because Eli actually did that to the Chargers mm -hmm. when everybody thought Burrow was going to do with the Bengals. And there's a reason why you're the number one, number two pick or whatever because you're not a good team or whatever. But it's just, I feel much more confident with the Chargers setting Herbert up for success than the Bengals setting Joe Burrow up for success. And that is the talking point one, two, and three, I think, whenever you're talking about whether or not a rookie quarterback is going to go on to be great or not. Well, yeah, because the Chargers have, I think Telesco's a good GM. I believe you think that as well. Um, they have a great new, Found me. great new, beautiful stadium, great new, beautiful facilities. It's going to attract other players and things like that. They got money coming into that organization. Mm -hmm. Unlike the Bengals who don't have an indoor facility, uh, I'm not sure they even have a GM. Um, <laughs> I think their secondary coach, I believe, is also their GM. Um, so for yeah. the Bengals? No, that was just I was. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> by the way, by the way, you say that about any other team, and everybody goes, "Okay, all right." Yeah. With the Bengals, you go, oh, "Let's check that." Is that, <laughs> is that actually is coach? You're talking about coaches, GM too? Yeah, because all their coaches are their scouts. Yeah, the Bengals just have. I mean, that place stinks. The fans don't deserve it. The city doesn't deserve it. The players, now granted, they had some dogs on that team. Pac-Man posted a photo of uh, years ago. It was him and Carlos Dunlap, and I believe the the dad Brown or whatever. And he was like, this was back when our locker room had a bunch of dogs. Well, you got to have dogs, by the way, to survive that program. Or mm -hmm. And if you don't have that group, it's going to be hard to get that group in there, I think. It's going to be able to keep that. Will you be able to get a group in there that wants to be Bengals and play well for the Bengals while Joe Burrow is still on this rookie contract? Because if he becomes a free agent, I assume somebody will pay for him, and hopefully he'll be able to survive to that point. This is a hindsight 2020 question, but with the Washington football team uh, – going away from Dwayne Haskins and then the Lions, at, who are at number three, potentially going away for Stafford. You think they probably would have maybe wanted to uh, go back and maybe draft Herbert at two or three? Or? Oh, yeah, Whoa. probably. I mean, Chase Young's great. Chase Young is great. And Jeff Okuda's been unbelievable this season. <laughs> Has he? No, he's been very bad. Been very Terrible. Bad. Uh, you can't blame him. But do you remember how good coach? he flipped his hips at that club? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bro, that was oh, one yeah. I would have drafted him, like too. Switch. I would have drafted him. He was running backwards at the combine, and then he just his, – his hips were just turning around while his body was oh, just yeah. – and then he was going like – it was like a 4-2-40 backwards while his hips were just mm -hmm. flipping. And I'm like, look at this dude. He was his absolute stud, but – I mean, he does have to play Aaron twice a year, too. True. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it could be a little bit of a learning curve. And that defense stinks as a whole, I think, right? And I mean, he had a coach that didn't really know what he was doing, I'm pretty Whoa. sure. Oh, so, whoa. Dude, whoa. The dude. guy that got fired, all right, we know who it was. At Evan Fox, the beard, former the Detroit shovel. Lion fan, uh, just took a shot at the greatest fourth quarter co coach of all time. <laughs> Tone is right, though. I mean, yeah, back in uh, when the draft happened, if we would have took Herbert, I would have been pissed off, but hindsight's 2020. It would have been pretty cool right now to have him on the roster. We got to remember that then when drafts come around you know all the overreactions uh -huh. we can't judge these drafts until you know at least a season or two down <laughs> the road
Chase Young, stud. Yeah. Herbert looks like he's going to be unbelievable. And if 10 years from now you could go back and draft Herbert or Chase Young, I'll be intrigued to see who says what there. Because if Herbert's still playing and Chase Young's maybe finishing up a 10-year career all pro, but Herbert's still going, everybody would be like, should took Herbert, mm-hmm. should took Herbert, no matter what Chase Young does. Herbert's definitely set up for more success. but What about Miami? We can just go right to Miami. Fuck Oh yeah, fuck Detroit. Yeah, like, uh, we can go right to Miami. They took Tua. Mm-hmm. Tua's been winning, right? Hey, right. Threw, threw for three fifty last week. That's what Tua's mm-hmm. been doing. Great. Yeah, yeah. Tua's been doing unbelievable. But if Tua somehow within the next three years doesn't become prime time guy, there's always going to be the well. You know, Herbert was sitting there, and Tom Telesco of the Chargers openly said, "Hey, once it got to Miami, and both Tua and Herbert were there." Mm-hmm. We had no more decisions to make. We let Miami make the decision, and we'll take the other quarterback or whatever. And it's like, well, Miami chose Tua over Herbert. Tua's been winning. Tua's a stud. But that'll be judged five, ten years from now as well. All of these things will be, mm-hmm. especially with how good Herbert is going to be, I think. Well, and both those guys, though. Herbert's got Mahomes, and Tua's got Josh Allen, both in their division. Like, even though they're set up well for success, are they going to have any with those other quarterbacks? Yeah, yeah. Well, and Herbert's at a – I mean, they're both at franchises, I guess, where you're like – and they're not supposed to win now. Yeah. <laughs> no chance. They kind of no big deal. Culture change. What, you talking about B-Flow, Donner? B-Flow's got the boys going. Yeah, he's got the boys buzzing, Donner. <laughs> but ladies and gentlemen, yeah. it is time. Okay. Oh. This is a big deal. All right? So if you grew up in the 90s and you come from, you know, a working group of a community or anything like that basically anybody basically uh wrestling was obviously something that captivated the entire globe at the time everybody on earth was watching wrestling and there's a couple faces of the entire thing but really there was only two that carried the entire thing and obviously one of them is the rock who is selling tequila and doing mm-hmm. everything like that yeah. and i'm sure a lot of people loved it but the man that resonated with me my friends i would assume with a lot of people that watch this show ladies and gentlemen a man who is Stone Cold Steve Sir, sir, thank you so much for joining us. This is massive for us, man. I hope life is good. Oh, Wait, I'm, uh, I'm having a birthday today, and I've, I've been enjoying watching what you're doing. Well, happy birthday to you. I think we'll end this thing with a toast and a cheers to you for all that you've done. Congrats on another year around the sun, yeah. sir. Congrats on another year around the sun. Um, let's get right into it. Steve, uh, can I call you Steve? Yes, yeah, Stone Cold Steve. Absolutely. Steve. <laughs> When I was a kid, uh, I still wear them now. I mean, I wear jorts because of you. You know what I mean? Your battle with Vince McMahon, I think, gave the entire world about a, you know, people could live through you telling their boss to go fuck themselves. I mean, like everything you've done, I'm very appreciative of. And I go through your history in wrestling, you know, obviously stunning Steve and whenever you landed on Stone Cold Steve Austin, how thankful were you? Because it feels like that's who you actually are. And it was almost came naturally and easy to you. You know, and that's part of the process, man, finding out who and what you actually are and who you want to be. And it it turns out when I was trying to be stunning Steve and when I first started off, I think it's it's like a lot of people, you're, you're kind of almost trying to be a wrestler or pretending to be a wrestler. You have to be a wrestler. And when I found out, you know, like when I was lacing up to play college football or in high school football or doing anything competitive, and I'm very intense. And so, you know, professional wrestling, for whatever people think it is, is very intense and it's very competitive. And, uh, for, it, yeah, from a work aspect, it is what it is. But 
in a competitive uh, atmosphere, that is who and what I am. And when I discovered that, and then I said, hey, man, let me just start, start talking all this shit I heard growing up in South Texas. It resonated <laughs> with people. And then when you fight, when you identify with that character, that gives you your base from which you have all of your foundation. And so character is so much a part and so important to the business. But you don't pick it up initially because you're so caught up in trying to learn how to work. Uh, just the mechanics, then the psychology. But man, it really starts and stops with an identity. And Stone Cold is who and what I am, twenty four seven. Yeah, well, th I think that's why you've had so much success since being uh, in wrestling or whatever. And uh, straight up, Steve Austin, by the way, season two debuts Monday, January eleventh on USA. After Monday Night Raw, there's been some memorable moments uh, from that show that has come out. Also, your podcast on WWE Network is awesome. It is must watch every single time. I really appreciate everything you do. Kind of give us a look behind the scenes of something that I. Was was a massive fan of growing up whenever older wrestlers come back to the wwe they always uh, obviously not now because of quarantine and everything being shut down but you hear them talk about how they hope that the fans remember them right they always like that's like a conversation piece they're like you know when i go through that curtain i hope the fans remember me and no matter how big the star is i feel like a lot of people have said that it feels like still to this day and probably until you're done on this planet when that glass hits in an arena the place is going to explode is there ever a time where that gets old to you because it still happens every single time you go out there it has to be fucking awesome that anytime you walk into a place first of all there's push and then everybody loses their mind even in a time where crowds don't do that anymore does that ever get old to you man if that feeling ever got old to anybody you might as well hit him in the head with a shovel and just get him out of the <laughs> You live and die by that. You know, from you, you've got to go out there in front of some crowds. It's, it, it is what it is right now. But and plus, being on the football field, dude, you you know what it's like, and you live and die by that because it's that affirmation. It's like, hey, man, yeah, these motherfuckers still remember, <laughs> and you know, because now it's almost a thing. Like, hey, man, Austin Sears going to get this hellacious pop. I got to see it to believe it. So when it keeps happening, it's still like, you know. You live and die by it. Yeah, it, it, it's everything because you would think, dude, I retired in 2003 and I wish I could have rode, you know, down the road a few more years, but it was what it was. And so when you've been gone that long, people can forget, but I guess, and I'm blowing smoke up my ass, but I guess I resonated with the crowd so much <laughs> that they still remember. And I got to give a lot of props to, you know, the WWE network and those video games that they keep coming up with that keep guys like me and all my peers you know, kind of still fresh in people's minds. So it, it is badass. And, and I'm so appreciative of it because, dude, I remember, you know, getting suplexed in Chevrolet dealerships way back in the day in Dallas, Texas, and working in front of shit crowds all over Tennessee. Territory was down. And then finally you make something, you come up with this character that is still resonating with people and they know who that guy is it's badass do you ever did you it doesn't sound like it now and i don't think anybody would blame you do you ever wonder if the pop is still going to be there does that ever happen for you and you talk about other people saying i want to experience this in person because whenever i was doing nxt events uh adam cole who's a scumbag by the way he absolute, scumbag. absolute scumbag <laughs> fucking loser <laughs> absolute fucking loser that guy but whenever he would do the adam cole baby at these takeovers it was the only time at the takeover 
turnovers that the entire crowd, now granted, they would cheer for things and the NXT crowd is awesome, but hearing that, it was like back in the day almost. And there was a couple of times where I think Michael Cole was next to me. He was like, wait, wait till you hear this or whatever. And it goes and it's awesome. And I, the thought of people going to you like, oh, I can't wait until the glass shatters tonight. Though, Is there ever a thought for you that it's potentially not going to come or, or are you just at the point where you're like, whenever they say that, they're like, yeah, wait till you fucking hear it, by the way. And then just kind of walk by. No, no, you never take it for granted. And, you know, we'll see when crowds come back. And, you know, one of these oh. days down the road, I get to uh, appear at another WWE event. No, you don't take it for granted. You're hoping it's there. And when it is there, yeah, like I said, it's that shot of adrenaline up your ass. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing. And there's nothing like it. If you could bottle it and sell it, you'd be a billionaire. But, no, you, you never just think it's going to be there or you're like, yeah, I got this shit. It ain't like that, man. It's nothing but appreciation. And then that's that blood, sweat, and tears and living that life and putting in the, the, the miles and, you know, the people living vicariously through all the storylines. And they remember that shit. And these other, the younger crowd, for some reason, you know, they're, they're in as well. So you, you never expect it or just count on it to happen, Pat. Well, I'll never tell you what to think, but you should expect it forever, I'd assume. You've done, <laughs> you've done a lot for a lot of people, including myself. I mean, there was a lot of us that our lives, we escaped watching you in the the run that you guys had, whether it was you and, you know, whether it was you in, in The Rock or you and Vin, Vince McMahon. You and Vince McMahon is maybe one of the best storylines in the history of wrestling. And hey, do you still talk to him at all? Do you still get a chance to interact with him? And how do you guys kind of, uh, you know, how do you feel about each other? Well, the last time I talked to Vince was down there in Tampa when I went down there to cut a promo in front of an empty crowd. And this was kind of right when COVID started. And it was really strange. And I wasn't happy with the creative because I wanted to just sit down and, you know, maybe do an interview with Byron Saxon or something to kind of talk about something that was a shoot. And Vince says, God damn, Steve, he goes, the people are just going to be uh, in a bad way. Just go out there and entertain them and do this promo. I went back to his trailer three times. So anyway, I ended up doing a promo. It sucked. It was hard. I really uh, appreciate how the superstars have adapted and overcome all that. Now they have the Thunderdome to help with some crowd noise. But to answer your question, that was the last time I got a chance to talk to him. I'm sure he's going to call me or text me happy birthday today. But, man, our relationship is strong. And when we were feuding there for damn near two years, you know, we I love that guy. And I'm sure he probably loved me too. But, man, there, there was a lot of – you know, for a shoot, you know, a lot of times some animosity there, you know, when I uh, did some of the things I did. But, you know, I got nothing but respect for the guy and we're in a real good place. For those that don't know, shoot means for real. Work means uh, you get it. The, For instance, Ariel Hawani and Booker T, we all think for shoot there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a shoot at this particular point. Uh, might end up being a work or whatever. Uh, whenever you look back on your career, coolest night, do you have one? Man, there, there were so many of them, you know, uh, stunning events at MSG because the garden's such a special building, uh, going to 13 with Brett doing that double turn, uh, because the Chicago crowd is great. That Rosemont because oh, yeah. of the acoustics, uh, the building is incredible. Uh, 17 lighting it up with the rock. One of my favorite opponents, uh, there, there's, there's been so, so many of them, uh, that I couldn't just single out one and, you know, my days when I was starving, you know, after two months in the business, I was driving a forklift, loading, unloading trucks. Jerry Jarrett had just brought the territory in Dallas from Fritz Von Eric. Hell, man, they was beating the shit out of me on Friday nights and Saturday mornings with kendo sticks and leather weightlifting belts because I was this little baby face coming up with this long blonde hair, somewhat of a physique because I just got finished playing football at North Texas State. And I asked Jerry Jarrett, I said, hey, man, when can I start working full time? 
He says, hell, Steve, I think you're ready now. We'll send you to uh, Memphis in two weeks. Two weeks later, I was driving down the highway to Mid-South Coliseum in my base model 1988 Hyundai Excel. Woo! Payments were $154 a month. And I starved my ass off. And some of those days, starving and paying your dues and going through the process and riding down the road with the veterans, and they're sitting there dropping all this 411 on you and trying to help a brother out with information, those are some of the uh, most fun times uh, of my life, just traveling down the road with the guys in the car, drinking beer. Listening listening to you and Undertaker talk to each other on your podcast while drinking a bottle of Jack, I believe, an entire bottle, I, I think, was <laughs> was done. The, the, it was awesome, by the way. And the fact that it was on WWE Network still is is magical to the entire brand. But the conversations about the behind-the-scenes stuff, and I think that was where I first heard the story about him drinking um, Cypress Hill to sleep or whatever, I think, was during that conversation. Uh, but there's a, there's a story, and I don't think I've heard it from people inside the business, just others. Did you used to drink beer with the crowds after shows? Was that something you used to do? You go in the ring and just drink more? Because, by the way, before we get to that, your catch percentage had to be 100% there for uh, – because those beers are coming out. You used to snag those. Now, granted, you missed one or two, I think, whenever you came back with the new IPAs. <laughs> I think you missed one or two, which was shocking, I will say. But back in the day, you might have had you might have been the most shorthand catcher on earth at that point with those beers flying in. Yeah, them, you know, uh, I was a running back in high school, and then in, in uh, junior college, they moved me to linebacker. In North Texas, they moved me to defensive end. I always thought I would have made a little bit of an undersized at 6'2", 220 in my college days, maybe a little bit undersized as a tight end. But God dang, I could catch a football, <laughs> and I could damn sure catch a beer. And shit, man, if someone's going to throw you beers, and that's part of your job, make damn sure you catch them. But there, there wasn't too many I dropped. And I give a lot of – I'll give a shout-out to uh, – the bell ringer, the timekeeper, Mark Yeaton. He was the guy who would launch those beers. And sometimes, you know, I'd be in the ring and he'd be he'd be launching them, and I'd be over in different parts of the ring. And he he had one of the best arms ever. And sometimes I'd be way across the ring, damn near up uh, on the ramp, and I'd give him the signal and he'd kind of shake me off, like I don't know if I should throw it. I said, No, motherfucker, if I, if I have a signal, you throw it. And so he would launch them, and goddamn. If I didn't catch it, that thing was careen off my hand and hit somebody in the head. So, you know, the stakes were high. You know, I told people, I used to tell people towards the end, man, shit, I was, I was, uh, you know, drinking for a living, get paid for drinking. I was getting paid to drink for a living and wrestling on the side. <laughs> Anytime. I mean, you would, there, we watched your best of earlier. There's like 10 of them on YouTube. Yeah. We watched them this morning. The moments where you would come in, not say a word, obviously, but you would stun somebody. They were dead. Then beers. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, let's get, hey, let's play the hits here. That's basically yeah. what it was. Glass hey, break, Pat. stunner, beers out. It was just what a night. One time, a lot of times we would do that at TV taping just because the crowd was there and they'd crash the music and I'd go back down. Maybe, you know, I'd already done an interview or wrestled a match and I'd go out there just to entertain the crowd just to, you know, make sure they came back happy. And one time I just kept staying out there, staying out there somewhere in New York, somewhere, you know, where the union was involved. And uh, finally I went in and Vince called me to his office the next day and he goes, God damn, Steve. He goes, you cost me $14,000 last night. <laughs> overtime on the crew so he's calling me out he goes i just cost him 14 extra g's just for that that crew to stay overtime and i so i'm like uh i'll split it with you <laughs> he goes guy he goes god damn he goes i don't want your money i'm just telling you he goes come on in a little bit earlier he used to do that shit all the time and, and towards the end 
Kevin Dunn in the truck, he'd finally just get on the horn to the house. He'd go, Steve, come on in. So <laughs> we, that, that's how we rolled back in the day, man. We're going to give you your money's worth. So what did you do? The show's over. Okay, now the fans are still there. Glass would break one more time. Normally there's a dark match afterwards uh, between two people you don't know. But your glass would break. Somebody would get a stunner or two. And then you would just go corner to corner, two beers. And your beer guy would just be, hey, I'm, did he have 30? What's the most beer you did in one night you think of one of those shows? Well, I never forget when we went to Japan one time. Uh, Dudley, Stacy Keebler. I mean, there were so many people out there. We, I think we went through 103 or 108. Now, between just for myself, you know, I'd always make sure to have about a 12 or 18 pack there. And, you know, here's the thing when some people say, oh, shit, man, you got too much of that beer on. You don't even know how to drink beer. It's like, dude, fuck you. You don't know what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to entertain 20,000 people in an arena. If I just go out there and sip it real properly, how fucking exciting is that? So when you're out there on an empty belly and you're shotgunning beers and all that shit's going in, the, the half that was going in was for me. The half that was going on was for them. Nice. But I'm telling you, Pat, when you when you shotgun a bunch of beers like that and you're drinking about half of each beer, you got a pretty damn good buzz when you come out. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a sacrifice I was willing to make. <laughs> I would assume you're pretty fucked up, yeah. By the way, we... Uh, in your, in your honor, probably should have asked, I guess, but there's no way I could have got a hold of you to this. Uh, we had stone cold season where uh, we were trying to promote all of our followers. Instead of drinking beers, just go ahead and stone cold every beer that you have. And uh, there's a lot of people that didn't know what the fuck they were doing, to be honest with you. But I feel like that stone colding, it, it still is making another run, too, just like everything else for you. So congrats on all that, man. Oh, man, it's, it's, it's been great. When did you start uh, you self-cheersing? Know, when did you start self-cheersing? Was that something you did in college? You're like, hey, hey, Steve, good for me, man. <laughs> when did that start? No, you know what? Uh, you know, I got to give credit to Sandman for starting that, but he was bashing him off his head, and, and I don't remember, and it wasn't because Sandman was doing it, so I don't want to say I copied him, but he was the first. So, And then my style was, because people always get us confused. They'll say, yeah, man, you used to bang them on your head. No, motherfucker, no, I was the guy that clacked them together. <laughs> it was just something we came up with. I don't know how the, the beers got introduced to the ring, but it became a thing, and we ran with it, and it worked great. And so all these years later, people still doing it. And I guess stone cold in a beer is a thing now. Oh yeah. But people have been drinking beer for hundreds and thousands of years. So <laughs> hell, I'm, just pr- I'm, proud to, I'm proud of the fact that I got my own beer to drink because Tonight, uh, I've been kind of, uh, I just got finished filming my show, Straight Up Steve Austin, and we were lucky to get that in the can because of COVID. So that that's going to uh, season premiere on January 11th on USA after Raw, but, you know, uh, I had to get in shape for that show, and I dropped, you know, when COVID first hit, I got that COVID-15 like everybody else, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But I was drinking margaritas and drinking beers oh, and yeah. shit like that, so I got all tuned up. To, I, went to, I went down to 2.30, Pat. Oh. I ain't been 2.30 since I was in college. So now that I'm kind of at a relaxed state, I'm going to be banging him some bitches together, and I'm going to be crushed a few uh, broken skull IPAs tonight. Yeah, as you should for your birthday, by the way. Uh, I mean, happy birthday. I know the boys got a lot of questions for you. Do you have some time still? Yeah. Yeah, you go ahead. Hey, Nick, what do you got? Steve, you had so many vintage moments with Vince, uh, the Zamboni into the ring, the beer truck, filling his uh, Camaro or Corvette up with cement. Did you guys come up with that together? Were those all his ideas? Were they your ideas? How did that work? Man, those were mostly all of their ideas. Like, I mean, I'm not going to – it'd be hard for me to say, you know what, Vince, I'm going to drive a monster truck. It's going to have 1,800 horsepower, and I'm going to crush a Lincoln Town car on an <laughs> <on> TV. <laughs> 
you know, and here's the thing about this issue. Uh, they bought that uh, gold Lincoln Continental that was the rocks, allegedly, off the showroom floor. That's the kind of money they were willing to put in behind this stuff. And uh, so and they, I learned how to drive the monster truck right before we went on live TV. <laughs> you know, so I can drive anything on wheels. And going back to that Corvette thing with the cement, they didn't have a mark for me to hit. And that was a different kind of cement truck. The way I had to pull those levers for all that stuff to fall down. I nailed it because it's live TV and you can't fucking fail. <laughs> and when they told me I was going to be destroying a brand new Corvette because I'm such a car fan, uh, I said, I was like, man, do we got to really fill a, see, the Corvette up with CMN? I said, because I was trying to get the Corvette after the gig, right? Give, give it to me. <laughs> the icing on the cake was when that damn glass broke on the passenger side. Yeah. So. It was badass. That was a Nassau Coliseum. I'll never forget it. But they thought of those uh, ideas. And, you know, Pat, sometimes we'd be dragged out on the road so many times. You know, you get tired. You know, shit ain't going great at the house or whatever. It's a grind. Your back's killing you. You're all fucked up. Being on the road is a grind, but it's the best job and the most fun I've ever had. Then all of a sudden, you find out that you're tearing the shit out of a damn Continental. You're driving a monster truck. You're filling a Corvette full of cement. Those, you know, going to Monday Night Raw was like therapy for me because that was where I could unleash hell. It was on somebody else's dime and people were eating it up. <laughs> I mean, the hospital bed, the grocery store. Oh, I mean, there's just the, you dressed up as a fireman. I mean, there is this. We ran through them all this morning and it was like we were kids again. But I think something that you started that is still happening. I mean, is still what? Oh. What? 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 I was watching some videos of you cutting some promos before I had to go cut a bunch of them, right? Uh, I started watching you. I watched The Rock, obviously. I watched some uh, The Generation X talk before I went out there just to kind of catch the vibe. You know, I'm trying to get back in the vibe of it because I thought I wanted to be a little bit different, maybe a throwback style or whatever. But I was watching a couple and it was before the crowd had started doing the what. But you were saying something and you ended it with what? Like, like you, did, you said something, you didn't even let them answer. And I found it very hilarious. But I also was like, oh, this must have been in the early stages of what how did that come to be and it is amazing still to this day whenever you have somebody that cuts a promo like this and you know that they're thinking and the entire time they stop every fourth word and, and the crowd is like what what like it's still going on it is electric how do you think of that how did that start and uh were you surprised to see it catch on as quickly as it did you know, uh, uh, very surprised that it caught on like it did. But I started that when I was a heel. And I remember calling Christian up one day on the road and he didn't answer his phone. So I left him this message and I was telling him, you know, just talking shit. You know, you leave prank messages for, oh, yeah. for guys. Yeah. And then I would say something and I, I would go, what? And I'd say <laughs> something else. And I said, what? And I was like, oh, man, I think I got something here. I got to put it in context. But, you know, so then on, on the stick, you know, in the ring as a heel, I'd be dressing somebody down or whatever, ask them a question, and I'd say, what? You know, kind of like, you know, it's kind of like really fucking with somebody. <laughs> and then as a baby face, you know, with, with the crowd, you know, you know, with creating that cadence and that pause, it just turned into a thing. And then we turned it into a T-shirt. So who would have ever thought, you know, someone could get over, I'm not blowing smoke up my ass, but who would have ever thought a, a bitch could get over a word like what and make it a thing? But that's how it started. And, you know, Kurt Angle and some of my other opponents were so good about working in the frustration and putting in that pause for the crowd to give the feedback to further infuriate them. So it worked for everybody that did it. And for the people that say, 
hey, man, stop the what stuff. It's the worst thing ever invented because it's fucking up promos. No, if, you, if you're not smart enough to leave out the pause, <laughs> then you don't know how to do a promo. You can, out, you can outsmart the fucking what. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I thought that as well. As I'm watching and people are doing it, you see them getting mad. And I'm like, ah, I think they're mad for shoot right there. I think that's a real anger right there that the crowd's doing. It was like, well, just keep talking there then. Just go ahead and power right through it. Um, Man, there, there was. We watched you this morning. You undressed Undertaker, and uh, he wanted a shot at the title or whatever. He said, uh, "You think you deserve a championship because you have Dead Man on your shirt?" What? The crowd went, "What? What's that mean? You're dead? What? What? You don't have any blood? What? Your heart doesn't beat? What?" The crowd started. When you're out there and you you started going, were those scripted? Were you trying to just break the other person? What was the mindset when you were going out there? No, man, that's, that's really about a 90% ad lib. You might think about it for a second. Uh, a lot of times when I was thinking of rattling off liquors, you know, that oh. I was going to drink, whether it was Coach or someone like what? that doing an interview, I'm thinking, goddamn, you know, because I, 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 I got my staples, but it's not like, you know, I know every type of alcohol that they're, they're at the that there is out there. So, hell, I'm sitting there in, in my damn head trying to think of, hey, don't look like a dumbass here. Keep it going. <laughs> so it's just, it's really just riffing out there and having fun. And it's okay to repeat stuff as well. So, you know, I'm not a rocket scientist. I, 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 I just think people were digging what I was doing and I was having fun doing it. Yeah, well, it was amazing. You know, when you're thinking too much out there, Pat, it ain't worth the shit. I don't think you at know, all. I've been watching your promos, and, and I, I give you, I, I'm going to talk about you for a second, man. Dude, you've been lighting people up on the horn, so I know you've got to always kind of have a uh, the ability, well, obviously the success of your show, the, the articulation, the eloquation, and the intelligence Whoa. to put together, you know, just a sharp-ass promo that, you know, makes people feel something, whether you're riling them up, pissing them off or whatever. It's the ability to, to, to put out information, people process it, and then also the attitude and the, the delivery with which you're putting it out at. So congrats to you. Oh, well, th oh, yeah. thank you. That means a lot. You called me badass the other day. I wish I could hang it on my fridge like the old days. <laughs> One of the coolest things I've ever heard. Thank you for that. We have a question from at Viva Lazito in here. Big fan, by the way. Zito, what do you got? Oh, uh, Mr. Stone Cold, best match ever. What is it? Man, I had so many of them on the road. I had a 30-minute Broadway with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat at the L.A. Forum, and there wasn't no cameras there because it was just a house show. And that was one of my best matches. And, you know, because I'm such a huge Steamboat fan, and him and Flair had the trilogy and some of the best matches of all time in the history of the business. But, you know, probably just, just for, for crowd feel and for what it was, I got to go to 13 with Brett. I got to go to 17 with Rock. 14, me winning the title from Sean wasn't a great match. Uh, Sean's, you know, one of the best talents in the history of the business. But those those two would be at the top. I love I love my match that I had with uh, with with uh, Benoit and Edmonton uh, on SmackDown. I, about, about 20 minutes we had worked the night before. Uh, they shorted us on time, and I and I I came up with this comeback for him. I said I'm I'm seeing ten belly to belly or belly to back suplexes, whatever they were. I said, I'm not seeing a traditional comeback. And I said, if they tell us to go, if they tell us to go home, I said, fuck it. We're going to go as long as I want to. I got the heat. <laughs> we went out there and ripped it up. So I was really proud of that match too. <laughs> well, you, by the way, congrats to you. Just being like, uh, well, I think I've earned this right to do this. How do you feel about the way this man's dressed right now, by the way? You, you kind of powered right through that. <laughs> we Dude, I know. What? <laughs> 
What? <laughs> what? I love it. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Ty, what do you got? Uh, Stone Cold, have you considered uh, continuing to act, or is that something you're kind of putting on the back burner? Because The Condemned is one of my favorite movies of all time, and I just didn't like – you had that run there where you were just coming out hit after hit after hit. Uh, are you more focusing on your show, or like, are you are you going to get back into acting at all? No, you know, would I act? I would. But and when I came out to L.A., you know, that was, you know, I'd ret- I got forced into retirement while I needed to retire. So I did. And I spent three years wasting time hunting, fishing, drinking, and doing a lot of stupid shit, <laughs> not necessarily in that order. And finally, <laughs> I told myself, I said, dude, you know, I didn't want to go back to driving a forklift after you've been on top of the wrestling world. So I said, you better take your ass out to Los Angeles and see what you can do out there in that world because you still have somewhat of a name. Because I didn't have an exit strategy because I didn't want to exit. I took my ass out to L.A. and moved in with Diamond Dallas Page. He had a condo, and I rented a room for him, and I fucked around out there for another year and a half. And finally, we started making them low-budget movies. You can call them independent movies if you want to, but these are (laughs) low-budget And, uh, you know, we did a Condemned, and that was a high-budget movie. They spent $20 million on that on that movie, and I had a blast filming that one. And I think I was thinking at the time, man, i got to learn how to become a really good character or whatever the movie calls for me to be. Hell, if I'd have been smart, I, I would have just done Stone Cold. At all times. That's your question. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's like, you know, I'm not antisocial. I like being around people. But I don't like to – being on a set is kind of like, would I do it? Yes. But being on a set is kind of like doing the, the same shit over and over and over and over again. And I hate fight scenes because I was, you know, a professional wrestler at a very high level. And that's like a dance out there, man. People think, ah, it's choreographed. Bullshit. You don't know your ass from a hole in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> that's knowing how to work. So there's a lot of things I don't like about that. Uh, I love hosting my show, Straight Up Steve Austin. I love that. I love doing the Broken Skull sessions. Awesome. I love being busy, and, and I want to keep being productive, but it's, it's not something that I aspire to be. At one time in my life, it was a means to an end. As a means to an end, it led me to hosting and reality television, and that's what I'm really enjoying now because I do that. I film that. Then I go do my other shit. I go get on my damn uh, four-wheelers and my side-by-sides, and I ride up in the mountains. I get the fuck out and, and have a good time. Hey, your dog's a superstar, too. Mm-hmm. Love following along with the dog. Uh, Tony Diggs, what's your question? Mr. Cold, when you were talking about acting in, in the longest yard, when you, and you Cold. talked about how your football playing career, when you got those pads back on, did, you, did it bring back some type of feeling? And how hard was it not to just lay somebody out when they were coming through the hole? Well, the rib was... They didn't have a fucking stunt double for me. (laughs) When we filmed that movie, we we started off in New Mexico. It was hotter than blazes. You're standing out in the sun. Pat, I got up to 275 for that. Oh, and playing running back. <laughs> Good for the knees. Good for the knees. You know, you know when you're trying to run through those footballs? I mean, you're trying to run through those tires and you're holding the football? Yeah. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? They don't have a stunt double for Stone Cold Steve Austin? <laughs> <laughs> and then afterwards, you know, me and, me and Kevin Nash, we'd go to the, to the bar at the hotel we were staying at, and, and the, the, the cast and crew, they could not believe the calamity of the volume of alcohol that we were kind of putting down over the course of three months. They couldn't fucking believe it. So you know, that's that's coming from that. I was bringing my pro wrestling background. And just to comment further on that movie, it was a real fun movie. And Adam Sandler is such a class act. 
But if you remember the one time, I believe it was Bob Sapp when he clotheslined me when I had to football when I shit myself. <laughs> now, because, you know, when I do act, I am method. I actually shit myself. Yeah. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I'm kidding. I'm yeah, kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I segued from the from the question. I just caught up, got caught up telling different stories. No, hey, that, that's all we're here for, pal. If we could just listen to your stories for the next five hours, that would be uh, beautiful. And thank you for your time. The raw how come there hasn't been a movie where you're Steve Austin and he's The Rock? It just feels like this is an easy, an easy make here. It would be a worldwide number one box office oh, yeah. success yep. within a matter of time. How come that hasn't happened yet? Well, I, I think I, that might mess with his credibility a little bit. I think he's worked long <laughs> and hard. And people forget how long he's been out there in, in, in the acting world now. You know, he's been out there longer uh, acting than he was in wrestling. And True. so. Although he will always know, be known as a wrestler and one of the top entertainers of all time, he's the biggest movie star in the world. So I, I think he takes his credibility very serious, and he doesn't need me to do a buddy flick with him to, to stay on top, being the number one guy. So, you know, it, it is what it is, and, and I'm not looking to do that movie, by the way. So that's why. <laughs> but, but, I mean, if The Rock wanted to do that movie, then all he'd have to do is say, hey, dude, come up with this. Yeah. Is it going to happen? No. No, no. But people always ask me, that's why. I, th I think it's, you know, really the integrity of his career, and he doesn't need to do it, and, and I wouldn't press him to do it anyway. Oh, man. You're awesome, dude. We got to, like, we powered right through our heart out with Sirius. We have another one coming here in about a minute. <laughs> I mean, we've just been talking on YouTube here for the last five minutes or so. The internet loves you, dude. Like, it is. You, whenever we found out you were coming on the show, I was so pumped, man. You are everything that they make you out to be, bub. You know what? We were supposed to uh, uh, get together a long time ago on a podcast. Yeah. And then uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll reach out and we'll, we'll swap numbers, but I'll stay in touch with you. Because uh, the hell, at first, at first I, like, I was like, this dude ain't serious. You know, you know what the fuck he's talking about? He didn't even talk to me. I don't know how big of a wrestling fan you were. So, shit, man. I, and, and I wasn't trying to dish you all those, all those days. But, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad to talk to you, and let's stay in touch. Yeah, you got it. Ladies and gentlemen, living legend, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Happy – oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, I, I, I made a uh, – I have a uh, – oh. It uh, doesn't matter where you're at. Go ahead and raise your glass wherever you may be, whatever you're drinking. Um, to the man that chugged some beer and kicked some ass, who once said, fuck fear, and broke some glass. A man who was a hero to the working class and told his boss to kiss his ass. A man who's in the Hall of Fame should be every day. Happy birthday. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Cheers to you, buddy. Thanks for stopping by. Have a good one, Thanks, brother. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate you guys. What a fucking legend. Yeah. So sorry to interrupt, but I want to let you know that the holidays are here, Ty. They are here. Have you made your wish list yet? A little bit. Yeah. You put some things together? You know, here and there. Well, our sponsor today has the number one wished for gift of the year. Manscaped, the best in men's below and above the belt grooming. Manscaped is here to ensure you're taking care of your manhood and your nose hairs with their new performance package. Included in this new package is the Weed Whacker, which is an ear and nose hair trimmer. It's waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. My God, it sounds like the engine in Santa Sleigh. Yeah, it is like the engine in Santa Sleigh. They can get all the way around the world and globe in one night. Mm -hmm. It's like that, but it's 
a weed whacker for your nose hairs, and it has a nick-free technology, so you don't have to be scared about oh. just slicing and dicing your nose up. Perfect. Also, with the performance package, you will receive not one, but two free gifts. The performance package is the best offer Manscaped has going right now, and you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code PAT at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use code PAT. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds and make Santa proud. The nose is always uncomfortable to shave. I know, and I've been noticing, too, that my nose hairs have been pissing me off. I need to get that done. Yeah, in the old days, you'd try to pull those out. hurts like hell. Still do. Not great. Not great. hurts every single time. Mm -hmm. Or you try to use your flat buzzer, and you try to get in there. You can't really fit. I have a big nose, so it goes in there a little bit more, but it's always an uncomfortable. The Weed Whacker is built to make that a seamless, easy, painless Mm -hmm. process. Uh, so shout out to them. Performance package. Go ahead and get it. It's a great gift. Um, when you go to manscaped.com, use code PAT. 20% off and free shipping. Let's get back to the show. Joining us now is a man who is an Ohio State legend. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he was in the NFL for eight years. Now you can hear him calling Big Ten games. And he has a daily show from 9 to 12 on 97.1, The Fan in Columbus. I wonder if he follows... Uh, General Bob Carpenter and Schlegs on uh-huh. that channel. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us, James Lord. How's it going, man? I'm good, man. I do follow. I mean, following the energy of General Bobby Carpenter and Anthony <laughs> Schlegel is tough to do every day, man. I just want to let you know, were they before you or after? They were before you, huh? That's why you didn't get a chance yeah, to get your they, face. They were, uh, they were, um, Other way, how yeah. do I word this? They were seniors when i was a freshman so they were my mentors if you will so i had i had a quite the baptism in the college football yeah well <laughs> you weren't on the box that's why i just threw it down there the, um you were the only player in the history of the big 10 to be either back-to-back defensive player of the years or two-time or something along those whenever you were playing uh did it just come super easy like what because normally and how did you what like how does that even happen? Because the Big Ten has had a lot of football players. Oh yeah. A lot of good football players. A lot of players. great football players. <laughs> You're the only one ever when you get to college and you're a freshman, is it because those three lunatics helped you out or was it was it what was it about, you know, your success at Ohio State, you think? Uh, a lot of uh just just luck, staying ready. I have to give credit to Luke Fickle, who is now the head coach at Cincinnati. He was our linebacker coach. And um I mean week one, I'm third at Sam linebacker i'm not even supposed to play uh marcus freeman who's the d coordinator at cincinnati tears his meniscus which hurts but it's you know you can come back in a few weeks from that get staph infection in it well now i'm up to the second string behind bobby and then the first play against michigan bobby gets hurt and i'm in the game and from there on i just was always prepared because of luke and the way he made us study and be ready to play and uh, a lot of good players, a lot of good coaches around me, and just uh, yeah, thankful, yeah. thankful to have the opportunity to play. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people have a lot of good coaches around them, James. Just that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I respect how humble you are, uh, but remember that. Never ever forget that. I hope whenever you're looking in the mirror by yourself. Let's talk about Luke Fickle. That Cincinnati team's getting screwed mostly because schools like Ohio State <laughs> kind of kick them yeah. out. But I love what did you did you know that Luke Fickle was probably going to be because there's I assume Auburn's probably going to come after him. I assume any job that's open that's big is going to come after him. He's already turned down Michigan State, West Virginia, and everything like that. Did you know that he was going to be the guy? Obviously, you said Luke Fickle helped you out a lot, but is that upon like first meeting him, watching him work, or has he just been consistent? What makes Luke Fickle such a good coach, you think? 
Well, he's consistent. You said it, but also the growth, man. I mean, he, he's been a guy that um, the, the year that he had to take over for Tress when Tress resigned was tough on him. Uh, you know, your quarterback's out, your wide receiver, running back, some guys suspended. It didn't go well in Columbus. And so I think he really second-guessed, can I be a head coach? And then with the hiring of Urban Meyer, he learned under Urban as well. So he has Tressel as a mentor, Urban Meyer he's taken things from, really good friends with Mike Vrabel, teammates with Vrabel. So he's kind of found out who he is as a head coach, and he's done a great job. But he's consistent. I mean, he's going to coach everybody the same. Um, he, he listens to his guys. He knows what it's like to be in that locker room, instant credibility. And you're right. I think getting them missing some games due to, due to COVID issues and not being able to play has definitely hurt them. Uh, they're not the only team. I mean, my goodness, they don't get talked about. I mean, how about USC? USC could yeah. win the Pac-12 tonight and be 6-0, and and yet no one even talks about them. Yet Ohio State's 6-0 and tomorrow. You're like, oh, they're in. But, you know, they'll slam, slam it shut. So I think it's fascinating that no one's even talking about the Trojans. Well, to be fair to Ohio State and to the Trojans, if this was 10 years ago, back when we were in school, if USC was 6-0, and it would be stop everything. Yeah. But with where that whole organization <laughs> has gone right now and with what Ohio State has been able to do, why is Ohio State just so dominant all the time? We, I try to ask AJ this, and obviously you guys didn't have to go to class, and you guys got <laughs> free tattoos, right? Yeah, I mean, free tattoos, free tattoos yeah. is why you guys are good at football, obviously. Obviously. I pay for my tattoos, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get that deal. Well, they look good. All right. I don't know what you got charged, but you probably should have paid more for how nice they are. But the why is Ohio State so good? What what is it about that program you think that it it has the respect of everybody, by the way? Everybody knew that the Big Ten was going to change rules if it affected Ohio State somehow. Everybody knew the college football playoff would not give a damn how many games it had if Ohio State has proven to be a good team. And everybody's just like, Yeah, like that's just how it is. Why is Ohio State the way it is? you think well urban meyer i think elevated the recruiting when he came in and, and he really tried to elevate it for the whole conference but he took it off and then you've had quarterbacks named braxton miller jt barrett although a really good college quarterback not a pro guy but a really good college quarterback uh you're able to go right to a guy like justin fields dwayne haskins before that excuse me forgot about dwayne my goodness the single most explosive uh season at ohio state history so you know yeah. barrett Haskins, Fields, and now you have a kid, C.J. Stroud, Kyle McCord just signs as well. Jack Miller's already there. Quinn Ewers, the number one kid in next year's class. It's quarterback, and it's development. And Ryan Day has yeah, but, flipped but James, with the development of Dwayne Haskins. It's cold as hell in Ohio. <laughs> yeah. okay, it's it cold is. as hell. It's not a dome. You know, like, what is it about? I guess it's a great academic institution. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, it is a great academic institution, but normally – the great recruiting places are all warm. You even look at USC, yeah. they're in a, it's all warm because you get it's an easier recruiting process. It's like, hey, you want to be here or do you want to be in Columbus, Ohio, where they are going to get 10 inches of snow on a random Tuesday in December, mm -hmm. and you're going to have to deal with it while going to class and everything. Not this year, obviously, but why? what do you think? Is it because of the tradition, because they know that when you get there, you're going to get good coaching because the facility? Like, what is it you think? I think it's two things, Pat. It's the fact that now you have all these kids going to the NFL. Like when kids look at colleges now and they see Zeke Elliott, the Ohio State University, like, oh, top paid running back. Michael Thomas, the Ohio State University. Go, oh, my goodness. Wide receiver, Ohio State University. Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, Chase Young. These are impact NFL guys. So now you, you pair that with what was the celebrity of Urban Meyer. We went recruited and then we called it the NFL occasion of Ohio State. Ohio State always had guys go to the league but not like top cats. Like you're talking about Michael Thomas, Zeke Elliott, uh, and now with Justin Fields supposed to be with Kuiper McShay, the second ranked quarterback going in, possibly the number two overall pick. 
every position is getting looked at as an impact NFL player. That has a lot to do with it. And they also embraced the cold. I think it was maybe five, maybe more years ago, Nike did a commercial of them playing in the cold. And the whole premise behind the ad and the whole thought process was, if you want to play in the NFL, you're going to play in cold weather games. Come do it here at Ohio State. Okay, so let's talk about before the NFL location, NFL location, is that the NFL location? I believe that is a great word term, by the way. We'd like West Virginia to start doing that. We should try to NFL locate <laughs> as fast as possible. I think that is good recruiting. Also, get on national television, uh, not have to travel 7,000 miles every game because you're in the Big 12, maybe to the ACC. But there's a lot of conversations there. But you were obviously – a long line, not a long line, yeah, pretty long line of incredible linebackers that went into the NFL out of Ohio State. When you go to St. Louis, we're looking up your stats. You had so many tackles. Like, it felt like you were potentially part of every single tackle that happened every single game. I mean, there was, just, there was a lot of tackles, but you have no awards. Like, there, there's, like we, couldn't, we couldn't find any awards or anything like that. Why is that? Is that because the Rams were just a team that was completely overlooked when you were there? A lot of stars there? Because, I mean, what we, by the way, whenever we were putting together your thing, I was, I was like, I'm like, Lauren Ice is a legend, dude. Very pumped to talk to him. And then we see it like the lack of a respect that you got, it felt like in the awards world was mind boggling to me. I did not remember that at all. What was your time like at the Rams? Why did that happen? And what the hell is going on? <laughs> well, a lot of losing, man. I mean, when yeah. your best record is seven, eight, and one, there's not a whole lot of recognition. Uh, <laughs> plus, you know, they don't, they don't give out plaques for like Pro Bowl alternates. So they don't have that. Uh, see long and I used to joke about that all the time. Look, there was a lot of great dudes in the, in the division, even at that time. I mean, Patrick Willis is in division. Uh, you know, you had, uh, when I first came to the league, my man, Lofa Tatupu was still rolling around and, and playing well. So there were a lot of good players in the NFC. Then Luke Keekley comes around. There's just a lot of good players. And when you're winning, you get more recognition. That goes back to the college stuff. Uh, when you go to Ohio state and you're part of a great, university you get you know acknowledged faster for national awards and stuff when you're on a winning team when you're seven eight and one is your best record in the pros uh, you know that stinks looking back that's what's you know quite honestly i wish i'd trade any of that crap in for just a winning season a chance to sniff at the playoffs even man that's what i was about to say because we had a losing season in indy and everybody was miserable Everybody was miserable. The coaches. That was, that was eight years. That's what I'm saying. Like, how, how did you do it? Like, the amount of mental toughness that that takes, I don't think it's talked about a lot because every coach thinks they're getting fired. Every player thinks they're on the chopping block. The organization probably assumes that it's going to be turned over soon. I mean, that is mental toughness getting through that, I think, is – I don't think I would have been able to do it. So, hey, that's an award. Yeah. Congrats. <laughs> that's an award. We're pretty pumped for you, man. I appreciate that. You look, it's love of the game, man. It's love of the game. Um, I've loved this game since fourth grade when I played it, uh, when I first started, when my dad let me. And I've just been – I was obsessed with it until it just became physically too much uh, to keep doing it, you know. And, and gosh, the game – when you get old, when you get to 30 – and, and the game kept spreading out. I was like, no, stay tight. <laughs> stay in 22 personnel. Run the football, power, no RPOs. Uh, but, you know, it, it's love of the game, man. Hey, rest in peace to your dad, by the way. Absolute legend of a man. That. No problem. Big fan. Uh, where did you grow up? Were you an Ohio kid? No, I grew up in, uh, in Minnesota. Um, grew up rooting for the Gophers, actually, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> thought I was going there. That was before the rower. That was oh no, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before Glenn the rower. Mason. Yeah, yeah. That was Glenn Mason up there at the time. Uh, that was before the yeah. rower. <laughs> That's a hilarious line there. That's before the rower. You're uh, you call Big Ten games. Are you enjoying it? I am. I am. I, I think it's 
fascinating to be able to – it was two paths for me, right? I, I love football so much. It was either do you want to talk about it and, and go and watch games, and, and I, I miss being able to see these coaches in person and really be on the field and see the players, or it was coaching. Um, and I have two young daughters, uh, six and three, and another girl on the way in January, so it's getting very expensive. I have to keep working. Um, but I, I think ultimately it was one of the two paths for me, you know, on – I want to go, and so I like talking uh, about big football and just football in general, man. I'll tell you what. You know, with those kids, if you guys won some games, you get playoff bonuses. <laughs> There's a lot of things none. that could happen. None. If you got, none of them. Not a single one. That is wild. What do you got, Connor? James, did you do any sort of uh, shit talking while you were playing, or was there ever a game where someone just wouldn't stop talking shit to you because they were giving it to you guys pretty good? Oh, I mean, well, gosh, Philip Rivers is notoriously the best trash talker uh, out there. He's he comes to mind. Um, Peyton Manning was great as well. Uh, you know, Peyton Manning, we, we had a blitz on one time. I'll never forget this. James Butler comes down at safety and, you know, we're, we're showing, we're disguising. Peyton, Peyton just so calmly checked with the Colts and lit us up for a touchdown and just gave like this wink and smirk where I just felt so deflated. It was my rookie year. I remember it in the Edward Jones dome. I'm just like, that was I'm in St. Louis, get, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm I remember. Trying get, I'm trying to get lined up and we had this whole package. Spagnola was our head coach. I'm trying to get, we're supposed to, you know, move on the first sound trick Peyton disguise, all this. Peyton would come up one time and be on the first sound. The second time it'd be on three. Then he'd go on one. Then he'd go on two. I, I didn't even know when to make the move call or adjust or show. I'm so confused on what's happening it was like a it was literally like i was in an, in an ap course you know in high school trying to figure it out going against peyton manning and what he knew but it was it, it helped me grow a lot and just self reflection after that game yeah i could imagine there's a lot of people that have had to look in the mirror after playing against peyton manning as a rookie or two i saw him abuse some people it was awesome i wonder if you were the one he was looking at whenever he was <laughs> oh because there, there was normally at least one person on defense that if you watched him closely enough, he was looking for that person to do something. And then as soon as he saw it, he was like, okay, there it is. Right. And then that's when the wink happens, by the way, that is exactly yeah. what. So yeah. your guy, yeah. your guy Porter, is that what you said? James Porter, is that who you said it was? Uh, no, James Butler. Butler, James yeah. Butler, so think, he was yeah. the guy then. As soon as, as, soon as, Payton, <laughs> as soon as that happened, Payton just like, well, here we go. Here's a touchdown. And then everybody else on the team was like, you got it. What do you got, Diggs? James, before you did end your career, you went to uh, the Saints for a handful of games before you got hurt. What was the biggest difference between the locker room and the organization of a, of a winning team uh, down there? Oh, gosh, it's, it's, it's the expectation, right? It was the – the urgency, like the belief in St. Louis was we're trying to get over that hump, right? We're close. We're close. In New Orleans, it was such a an expectation of this is where we're, we need to be. Uh, and and the demand out of Sean Payton every single day in practice, uh, practicing against Drew Brees every day was awesome. Um, and, and really the culture was way different. Um, and really at that time when I was in New Orleans, it was a team that had gone 500 or around there for a few years trying to kind of get back. Um, but they still remembered their success. And you mentioned a Pat Payton Manning with a one step. I mean, Drew Brees, it was the same thing. Like if, if your safety is usually, you know, in cover two at 18 yards deep and he lines up at, you know, 17 and a half, he knows it. And he's, he's reckoning, oh, he's going to come down, it's cover three, and boom, it's the, it's the slight details that he needs and uh, he can pick you apart. James, you're a really good talker, man. Uh, the, are you on the Big Ten Network when you call games? <laughs> when you call games? I, yeah. I am. I am. I got. I got Nebraska at Rutgers tonight. <laughs> tonight, let's go. Let's go. 
Rutgers gets we're, seven. We're Let's go. We're doing it out of Chicago. How about this? This is a new one for me. We're doing it out of Chicago because of that snowstorm that happened over on the East Coast. They were worried we weren't going to be able to get in yesterday. So we're doing the game from the Chicago studios. Oh, so you're going to be watching TV. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but I'm thankful because here's the thing. It's supposed to be a low of 12 there. I don't need to be sitting in the booth at True. 12 degrees. True. You know, right. I'm not that tough anymore, Pat. How do you feel like this game is going to go, by the way? You think old Shauna man's got the team ready to go? I do. I think Greg, I think Greg's guys, I mean, they're having a, an unbelievable year to what they've been in the last few years. And I think you look at who, who wants it more. I mean, it's simple. I mean, Nebraska's coming off a hard loss to, to Minnesota. And who wants it more? It's going to be it's going to be a tight one. And it'll be interesting. But I think Greg Shiano's boys are playing with a lot of heart do they does shiana still have them diving at the offensive line's legs whenever it's kneeling yeah, i don't think so i haven't seen it that's good i, news. It. I didn't know if you saw it on film or not i didn't know how you would react uh, to that he's not doing it not yet not yet anyway how long you been calling games there's a lot of terrible nfl commentators mm. terrible and you listen you're probably too nice we got to say it and you'll say it's a hard job and i understand it is but there's some people that can talk and there's some people that can't talk and there's some people that can talk are put into positions where they have to be able to talk and the entire world has to suffer from it so how long have you been doing this when do we make the jump to the NFL, and I'm pretty pumped up about it. Congratulations. Yeah, you know, I, I, it's been it's been three years now, um, and it's been it's been fun. I enjoy it. Uh, you learn something. I mean, I, I had the the uh, fortune of following around right when I was done with the Saints, and I got hurt. I actually went with Herbie to watch him do a West Virginia Oklahoma game. So it was at West Virginia. I'm sorry, Pat, did not go well for your squad. Yeah, yeah. But that was, you know, Joe Mixon, uh, P. Ryan, Baker. They they had a good night. Yeah. It was snowing. Yeah. Do you remember that one? Yeah, I do. I watched uh, it. Right. <laughs> what did Herbie teach you, James? What did Herbie teach you? All right. But like sitting next to Herb Street in the booth who's, you know, my goodness, you know, the goat at it. And I'm, I'm seeing him and how he's going about it and what he's talking. And and he's given – I mean, he has everything at his disposal. The, the clicker to be able to rewind the coach's tape real quick. And it's amazing how much information he knows. But then also you're not just talking to football guys on TV, right? You're talking to people who are, you know, just lame and football fans. And you got to be able to explain stuff in a way to where football guys understand it but also, you know, you can't just totally – you can't be saying three techniques and all this and, and all – can't be naming stunts people have no idea what the heck you're talking about so you have to really talk about the game in a way that would dumb it down to people who are really been in the league for 10 years but also that they would actually respect you and understand it as well i hope you get a chance to call nfl games we need you up here man the league man. Is well, i hope game. so too <laughs> oh are we having conversations who do we need to talk to what do you who do you want us to tweet at I don't know. I just, I'm just happy to have a, have a job right now. I just keep my head down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 A lot of good coaches around me. A lot of good coaches around me. Hey, before we let you go, can't thank you enough <laughs> for joining us here. You know, I've gotten into the ring a little bit in wrestling. I know. And um, that business is a lot of generationals, you know, like a lot of generations go. Did you ever think about getting into the business at all? I thought about it when I was really young, but to be honest with you, Pat, I, I saw how much my dad, um, how sore he was. And as I was going through high school, he used to explain to me, he's like, you know, back, back when I wrestled, the only time you got you know, time off was when you got hurt or basically suspended for something. And, you know, it's, it's a nonstop. And I think you can see it. Those guys go nonstop at their craft and, and the bumps are no joke. I mean, you get a ring and you throw around bumps and all that. It, it's a certain soreness that people don't understand. You hit those ropes wrong. Yeah. And it, your ribs will feel it in a certain way. Uh, so you know it. 
That's from the rope. The rope just sliced my entire shit open. That's going to be a scar forever. I'm thinking about getting a tattoo. Who said this yesterday? Somebody said Bill. Bill Bailey McComas, who's our tubes guy, he said I should get a tattoo that says uh, first cage match. Just with a, <laughs> yeah, you know. This thing's going to be here forever. Your whole You're body. braver than I am. Have you got to Have you got to interact with my uncle John Laurinaitis at all? One time in Indianapolis, it was whenever he was doing the Power of the People. The whole thing he was running that oh, whole. Yeah. Th- I got a chance to chat with him, but that was really quick interaction though. But your family obviously is massive in the business and uh i just assumed at some point you'd get involved but it makes sense after i've gotten in the ring and you get a chance to experience that as a young guy I'd be like that's probably not something i'm gonna sign up for <laughs> yeah. it is. i've had enough tackles bro i just i just there's there's and i even watch football games now where i'm like oh my gosh that seems so violent how did i used to do that i think about that whenever like a punter goes out and he's in like the back of his end zone about to punt. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so nervous for that guy. Like how, the f- <laughs> how did I go out there and do that? Did you have many injuries? Were you pretty healthy? Uh, no, I mean, I, there were some that I played through that looking back, you're like, you're an idiot. Why'd you try to play through it? Sprained MCLs, uh, sprained UCLs, but nothing major. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful I didn't have anything to, uh, some wear and tear, you know, missing cartilage, stuff like that. But there's no kind of shock and awe that a lot of these guys have gone through i thought about you actually when i watched the um i was wondering what would pat have done on the how about the wisconsin iowa game when the punter dropped it what would you would you have kicked it off the turf i mean come on how is that a penalty well it's a a legal kicking you know (laughs) it was awesome can't do it awesome definitely awesome (laughs) Uh, i think there, depending on how close everybody is there you got to do the chase young scoop there you know what i mean you just got to chase young scoop that but you have to miss it you know Mm -hmm. and you have to slip like a normal human would as opposed to chase young and then you just find yourself at the bottom of a pile (laughs) that's what i would have done probably if i had to do that uh good luck on the game tonight we appreciate you so much can't wait to see in the nfl calling games someday we need you up here uh not that there's we're not with the big 10 network because it is we're in indianapolis so it's always on but man it'd be great to get a legend in there that can speak well which you can we're thankful for your time today boss absolutely anytime man thanks for having me how was your show today on the fan pretty good you have a good show today it was good man we hey look it's it's the day before big 10 championship so that, that's that's cakewalk you can talk buckeyes for football season is easy in ohio Ohio State wins by fifty tomorrow. Ohio State wins by fifty. You think? I don't think fifty. I'm I'm thinking you know forty two seventeen is a covers. And that's and that's respecting. I mean, I respect Northwestern's defense too. I mean, Patty Fisher can play now. Mike Backer. They got a couple couple DBs that are really good. But when you when you spread it all out. There's only so much. I, I just have a sense of a lot of three and outs by Northwestern's offense. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, James Horner. Yeah. Big, big guest on the show yes. right now. Joining us now is officially titled the NBC News and MSNBC National Political Correspondent. But you also might know him as the Football Night in America player per- or playoff percentage figure outer <laughs> and the best map operator you have ever seen in your entire life. He's an author. He has books. He's brilliant. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Kornacki. Yeah! 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 Steve, how's it going, pal? Pat, I'm doing well. How about you? <laughs> You know, you know, I'm pretty proud. This show started in a basement, okay? Like most uh, operations, started in a basement. We say very dumb things about sports on a regular basis. And here we are sitting right next to a guy that stole the election night with his operating of a damn touch screen <laughs> with the folded up 
folded up dress shirt, mm-hmm. the entire thing, and in an intensity and a passion for his job that the world needed at that time. There were other map operators. I'm not big in the political world. I didn't really know what I was watching for election night, but I, what I quickly learned is that each channel had a map operator. I'm like, well, here we go. I'm going to judge the mappers then. This is what I'm going to do. <laughs> and when I found you on MSNBC, I was like, ladies, I actually sent a text to the group. Oh, yeah. Boys, get to MSNBC. There's a guy. And I wasn't the only one. The whole world did. How do you end up as the map person somewhere? That seems like maybe the hardest job in all of media to get. There's only four of them. How did you get there? Did you train for that? And you were so damn good. It's like you're calling, Steve. Thanks. I really <laughs> kind of you to say. And I'm glad. I, I'm glad the passion came through because that's there. And you know, for me, it's just look. I've always loved election nights as kind of a spectacle. Um, and that goes back, you know, 20, 30 years before you even had this touch screen that, you know, as you say, every network has now. I think the touch screen, you know, is probably about 15 years old when it comes to election nights. And, you know, the minute I started seeing that, obviously I was interested in it, but that's no guarantee I'm going to get a chance to do it. But I did get a chance. It was back in uh, 2014. And my uh, my boss here, Phil, called me up. And uh, basically what had happened was Chuck Todd had been doing it. He went to do Meet the Press. So they needed somebody to do it for MS on election nights. He called me up. He says, is this something you might you might be able to do something with? And I I mean, I was the call I was waiting to get. So I was I was thrilled to get the chance. And, and yeah, I mean, look, I just I love election nights and, and I hope that comes through. And I'm really glad to hear with you that it does. Steve, Steve. So leading up to the election night. All right. Super Bowl. That's mm-hmm. Super Bowl, but it, it's more like the Olympics, I guess, because it only comes once every four years. OK, so it's big, big night. Are you at home? With your touch screen, just like, hey, let's work some things out today. Let's act. Let's. Are you doing situational plays? Like, all right, let's say Philadelphia. There's maybe some questions. Let's work mm-hmm. on that. We got ten seconds to break down Philadelphia. And do you start challenging yourself? Like, name of the county. Uh, how many humans are there? Bah! <laughs> bounce out. Like, well, do you practice? How often do you practice? That's it? what you're. What you're doing right now is actually pretty much what I do. Oh, wow. yes, that is so <laughs> awesome. Let's go. Is- we do simulations. You know, so we just play through different, you know, we don't know the simulation we're being hit with, you know, but is Trump going to win in this scenario? Is Biden going to get a landslide in this scenario? Is Ohio going to go this way in this scenario? Um, We, you know, we were doing that from August or September on, Uh, you know, sometimes I just, I could be at my computer and I can follow along as the data comes in. But with, you know, by Columbus Day or so, I told my producer, I just said, Let's be in the studio. Let's pretend this is a real election night. Let's treat it like it's a real election night. And let's just let's see if we're up to it. And um, yeah, it's a huge, huge part of the job. And I mean, even, you know, you could do that 100 times. You're not going to anticipate everything that happens, but it, it helps, I think, sharpen the reflex. Well, when the lights come on, you got to be able to perform. And, <laughs> yeah. and I want to let you know, all your hard work paid off, Steve. I mean, you made a lot of fans, not just us, but I think you captivated a lot of people. Because you also, I think a lot of people say, uh, you were able to, like somehow remain independent too. I, and that is, that is something I assume you're all striving for. But I think I saw on the internet people from one side and from another side all basically being like Kornacki's the guy. Mm-hmm. Like, like Kornacki's the guy. So bravo on that because I don't know how you keep your opinions out of that in that world. I know nothing about that world, but if I was in there, I would assume it'd be very difficult for me to be like, well, this person's obviously uh, an idiot. <laughs> but I, so I, I do that in sports, obviously. So the ability to do that, plus with how active you are, I think you had a hell of a night. Congrats. Bravo. Bravo. Thank you. Bravo, Steve. Thank you. Um, now, that has led to another awesome opportunity, 
And we have to talk about it on this show because we got a chance to have you kind of dabble in our world for a little bit as well with Football Night in America. I think first week, smashing success. I think it went very well with the playoff picture coming up and who needs to do what. And you even had predictions going forward with it. By the way, we think there should be a move on these maps called the Kornacki where it has like a triple layer. Mm -hmm. You're one of the only ones that has like the layered ones that come out. I don't know if you know that or not, if you've been scouting film on your opponent. (laughs) (laughs) You're the only one that has the thing come out and then you exit out and then you go back in there. Ah, okay. Yeah, you, you started doing that. That with the playoff picture and you started trying to circle and they set you they sabotaged you this past week the touch screen <laughs> did not work but mm-hmm. you handled yourself like a champion and the content's been amazing how has the transition into the sports world been no oh, thanks i you know it's um I, i'm loving it um you know i'm a i'm a fan you know i'm an nfl fan but uh you know never thought i'd get a chance to actually you know be on the air like this so it's it, to me it's the best thing personally to come out of this alone um, and honestly, the transition, just in terms of what I'm doing, the thing that surprised me was, it, to me, it flows very perfectly because it's very similar to standing at a board and saying, look, if Biden wins this state, if Trump gets this state, and Trump gets that state, then Biden must win this state. And it's very similar to, you know, if Cleveland wins this game and Miami wins this game, then Baltimore's got to win that game. So it's we're playing out scenarios, probabilities, you know, different combinations of events it's what I did on road to 270, not just election night, but I mean, that's what I was doing in the run up to the election, just playing it out. What are the different pathways here for the candidates? And I mean, we're doing the same thing. We're doing pathways for different teams to make the playoffs. It's just, it's a more fluid situation because you guys instead of two candidates, you got different teams, you know, different teams, different conferences, different divisions. So there's a lot more sort of variables and, and, and permutations. But I, I think the, the basic format for it it feels familiar to me when i'm on the air even though it's something completely different subject wise a lot of permutations out there (laughs) uh, who's who's been doing the uh, research with you have you just been trying to break down all do you go to like pff with collinsworth stuff and they just kind of break it all down is that like an hour a week two hours a week how have you been fitting this in because by the way the political world is still very much alive i think right Mm -hmm. now i'm pretty sure there's still stuff you got going on over there as well so how have you been able to get in and learn all the situations and percentages and everything like that who's been helping you out. Yeah, no, and you're right. We did one of those simulations uh, I was talking about for the elections. We did one for Georgia yesterday because we got that Senate, you know, a uh, runoff that's going to decide the uh, control of Senate coming up in a few weeks. So what do you got to do? You got to know every, uh, the perfect amount of humans in every one of those towns. You just got to know how many humans are here. And then <laughs> you got to start doing, you did math in your head that night. Mm-hmm. It was just oh. like, it was, it was a lot of pressure on you. I don't even think you had a clue, maybe, because you were in such a zone. The whole world was looking at you, Steve, and you were just putting these numbers together. It was amazing. But the runoff, can't wait to see you go back to work there in that town. Whenever you start talking about families who had more kids since the last election, and then, <laughs> I mean, that'll be, that's the type of information you have. But for the football study stuff, how's that? What do you, how's, you've been watching film? Or are they just going through scenarios with you and you just kind of memorize it? What is it? Yeah, no, pro football focus, PFF, they're our partner, they're NBC's partner. So they've been, you know, our data partner for this. And so it's, you know, we've, we've been talking to them, trying to learn, trying to understand their model, trying to understand some of the counterintuitive, you know, kind of numbers it'll spit out. For instance, you know, they've got Miami right now would be today the seventh seed, the seventh and final seed in the AFC. Baltimore would be out today. They got the same record. But if you look at the probabilities, Baltimore's over 80% shot to make the playoffs. Miami's down by about 30% has everything to do with, you know, mostly to do with schedule strength, who these teams are playing the rest of the way. So those counterintuitive things like that, I know they've been high on their model 
with Washington. That seems to be paying off right now with Arizona. So understanding what their model is looking at, where the numbers are coming from, how the numbers change. The most fascinating thing to me, I've never watched football this way before, but to watch those 1 o'clock and those 4 o'clock games, and what I do is I just, you know, if at any given moment Miami's up, you know, but Dallas is down and Philly's up, I, I, I punch those in. And I see what the new probabilities would be. And I watch how they change during the game based on who's leading, who's losing. And to just see the massive swings in terms of playoff chances that are at stake in these games when they get really close. It's fascinating. You know, like Miami's playoff chances, if they could have somehow pulled it off against Kansas City last week, would have shot up like 40 points. You know, they're sitting down at 30% now. They'd be, you know, up 60, 70%. And you see the stakes in these games late season. When you put it in numbers, to me, it's fascinating. Well, at halftime, they need to get you a. a, a they need to get you your map screen. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. You and that map screen have such a good relationship, and that map screen knows when it's showtime. <laughs> the uh, football night in America one. I mean, you handled it very well. But, I mean, the fifty-two percent they didn't give you the the thing when I don't know if they didn't turn it on. If you, I didn't know what was going on, but you handled it very well. You've been a great addition to. Probably the best show on television, to be honest, because for us, Football Night in America for football fans is an easy way to catch up on everything, learn everything, and also make you sound smart on Monday. You've been a fantastic addition to the show. We've really enjoyed it. Ty, what do you got? Uh, Steve, did you ever consider like being a politician yourself? I mean, I assume you're going to get quite a few write-in votes for president uh, <laughs> next election. So like, <laughs> did you ever want to get into that aspect, or were you always just thinking about being like a political uh, journalist yeah god help the country if i ever got into elected <laughs> office i'd be i'd be a complete disaster i can't make a decision to save my life <laughs> no, I, i'm fascinated uh by the political process i'm fascinated by politics by elections by how the country kind of divides itself up and just kind of reacts to what it's seeing that's to me what an election is uh, i'm fascinated by that part of it but um I, i'm not um I'm not too crazy about the idea of being a politician. No. Where'd you go to school? I went to uh, Boston University. Um, oh, be you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we cut the football team my freshman year. Oh, big, oh big you were going to be a quarterback. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah right. You were going to be a starting quarterback. Yeah, you don't know. You were going to walk on and do your thing. Nick, what do you got? Steve, uh, obviously voter fraud has been a hot-button issue this year. I just wanted to get your take on Jaguars fans stuffing the ballot box for Yannick Ngakwe in the Pro Bowl to screw the Vikings out of a pick. Have you heard about this, Steve? Do you know what this is? So The Jags fans are, yeah. Yeah, so this is what happened. Jags (laughs) traded Ngakwe to the Vikings. Ngakwe's on the Vikings for two weeks, gets traded to the Baltimore Ravens. If he makes the Pro Bowl as a Baltimore Raven, somehow the Minnesota Vikings get screwed over in this thing, whether it's a draft pick or something like that. So Jaguars fans and other NFC North teams fans have been voting for Ngakwe <laughs> to screw over the Minnesota Vikings. So we have a little bit of a voter situation going on <laughs> in the sports world as well, Kornacki. I love it. I, I love. I love when you know the voters, whether it's a you know a, a all star Pro Bowl uh, uh, contest or an election, they're strategic. They think about you know you got a multi candidate field. They think about well, I like this one, but if I vote for him, eh, it's going to help this one. I, I like when voters are strategic, so I'm 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 on board with that. Oh, I like it. What do you got, Connor? Steve? As a guy from Massachusetts, I have to ask: Are you a Patriots fan? And if so, have you thought about getting into the analytics of football to maybe you know revive the Patriots dynasty? Well, this is the, this is where it's different for me than doing an election because in an election, I I stay neutral. I don't want anybody. You know, guessing where I'm, where my loyalties are, but I can tell you in, in the NFL, yeah, I'm a Pats fan. Yeah, um, yeah, I they am, stink, I am Steve. Who cares? Getting, Steve, they stink. Who cares? <laughs> did, I, 
<laughs> just my luck. Stay, right stay, 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 stay. We got Kornacki. It doesn't matter. Hey, zero percent. It doesn't matter. Hey, hey, hey. Let me pull it out. Palm's <laughs> gone. Palm's gone. Belichick's here. Ernie's here. The chances are at zero. Okay. <laughs> That's where we're at. That's where the Patriots are at right now. That's I, I get this job just as they shrink down to 0.02%. <laughs> For the first time in 20 years. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, Diggs, what do you got? Steve, uh, how many states in the U.S. do you know every single county within that state? Uh, far, far from all of them. I'm a lot stronger in the swing states, the states that are going to be competitive on election night. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just the reality of politics, right? We know New York State's not going to be competitive. Mississippi's not going to be competitive. So I really kind of focus in on not just the key states, even though within the state, you know what generally what the key counties well, are. What are you saying, Steve? <laughs> Come on. What are you saying, man? I feel like I just, you know, learn. You're, you don't know every single population of every county in the country? What? <laughs> That's wild, Steve. It days I, can't, I can't claim credit for knowing something I don't. No, I know as many as I can, but uh, I've got some, I've got some uh, blind spots there. How long did you stand up for? Your tweet that you weren't going to sit down until this thing was handed, decided. <laughs> How long? When did you sit down? Uh, I was on my feet, I think, election night. 6 p.m. we started. I uh, went overnight. I, about 11 a.m. the next day. <laughs> Because oh. we saw them oh. trot you out yeah. in the morning, okay? Mm -hmm. we, we, they had a shot. I don't know if you've seen it. You're probably in a – you probably blacked out that entire time. You were locked in or whatever. But they had a shot the next morning because next day after Election Day, come into the office, and we have like a pre-show hangout over here basically for a couple hours. We're trying to figure out what's going on and whatever's going on in the world. And the conversation was, did you see Kornacki last night? Yeah. And a couple of the guys were like, oh, I didn't see him or whatever. But we still had all the channels on because there was so much conversation the next morning. And I don't know if that's what normal elections are like, but it felt like it was alive the next morning as well. And they had like, you know, the F crew on or whatever and because it was the morning <laughs> operation. No offense to your cohorts or whatever. We didn't know who the hell they were. And then they went to a commercial break and you were off in the side like it was a, the rule of thirds with a shot over here and they were putting the packet mm -hmm. on you uh -huh. and they were doing the whole thing and me and ty were like that's the son of a bitch right there <laughs> yeah. if they're getting him back in front of a map let's go and you went back out there and we we're like oh my god this guy's got overtime overtime you killed it the entire time man. still we're, had the fastball yeah still yeah. had the fastball there was other places that didn't by the way yeah we were judging all morning mm -hmm. to not that you should judge anybody else but <laughs> you absolutely dominated steve this has been an honor to talk to you bub Hey, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate this. This was great. Yeah, I mean, it was a good time. We just told you how much we loved you for <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not going to complain. <laughs> what do you got going on day to day? Are you just writing another book? You're an author? You got to go talk on the television? What do you got today? Yeah, well, we um, I'm doing a couple, you know, uh, you know, podcasts, radio shows, and um, getting ready for Georgia. And supposedly there's another book in the works, but... Um, Talk to my uh, talk to my uh, publisher about that because that's uh, I'm a little behind schedule on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yo! So you you had you see what had happened was you were supposed to have a book already done, and uh, we got some things that got caught up in the way. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> you're giving me you're giving me mics. That thing where I say I wouldn't be good in elected office. I'm not good with deadlines either. So. Hey, they're on your time, Steve. And by the way, after that election night, the whole world is, pal. We appreciate you. Good luck with everything, ladies and gentlemen. Steve Cornett. Thank you, Steve. Big thanks to Steve Austin, though. Uh, that mm -hmm. was unbelievable. AJ, I'm kind of bummed you weren't here for it, but to be honest, the tech wouldn't have been able to handle <laughs> all three of us on there. It was. We were just talking about it during the break. I got a phone call from a couple. I got two phone calls during the break that was like, "Hey, just want to let you know, 
14 year old me felt like i was 14 year old me again mm -hmm. listening to you talk to steve austin there so that was awesome man what a moment uh, i i was glad just to, to watch it as a fan of stone cold and, and to see how excited you were i mean who doesn't love stone cold it is kind of crazy that his everything about him is carried on like there's not many wrestlers that it carries on can, now like he didn't he say he retired in 2003 mm -hmm. yeah it's yeah. like rick flair by the way right so this is like rick flair rick flair retires and he's now maybe even bigger than he's ever been because of social media and clips being rerun and everything. Everybody kind of, you know, wishing they could be all the kids that were fans of Ric Flair growing up and doing their own thing now and kind of carrying that. I feel like that's like the generation of people that were potentially diehard Steve Austin and rock fans. Now we're in a position where we are doing things. So it's kind of like, you know, you can kind of I hope for. Like people that are fans of ours, you know, they become executives at places. You know what I mean? Like Ooh. that'll be that'll be cool because you see a lot of like old timers that aren't very relevant get a lot of like commercials and things. You're like, what the fuck? And you're like, oh, the people making the decision probably big fans whenever mm -hmm. they're going through that. That'll hopefully help us later. Maybe not, but for Steve, it's like anytime we can talk about what Stone Cold has done for society, I am here for it. What hell yeah? You know what I mean? I'm all about it. I love that man. Do you think there's any uh, like current day wrestlers that'll have that kind of staying power? Pat McAfee, probably. Hell, Hell yeah! yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. Adam Cole. Adam Cole will live on. No. Oh. Adam Cole sucks. Yeah. You know that? We know that. <laughs> Rat fuck. I just oh, loved how Jesus, whoa, easy, Connor. I, Sorry, my favorite I don't, thing was. <laughs> Sorry, I don't I think, like the guy. I like when Stone Cold's. <laughs> you hear Stone Cold's reaction when you started killing adam cole yeah like he just started dying laughing yeah, like, yeah, yeah. this guy gets yeah yeah he but when adam cole does that by the way it is awesome in the <laughs> arena pop. it is very very cool and you know what he was saying about uh cutting promos with no crowds and how difficult it was or whatever i feel like i'm very lucky that i started with no crowds you know what i mean like i'm just going in there basically doing what we do right now <laughs> yeah. cutting a promo so it was like i was pretty comfortable with it the conversation between me and the cerebral powers that be over there there was like hey should we wait for you to potentially do this whenever there's a crowd back or whatever and i'm like listen i think i think that it does not matter to me. Like, you go ahead and just drop me in there or whatever. He's like, all right, we'll see it. Uh, but I, I do believe if I ever get a chance to experience a full arena, I will understand why everybody talks the way they do about the current state oh. of wrestling, mm -hmm. how it is much, much different, if I had to guess. I think you will absolutely thrive if there's an if the arena yeah. full of people and you going back and forth. The only problem is there's time constraints on a match and how long you can hold the mic. Like, I, I can imagine you'll be... People will be pulling you out of the ring pretty quick. Yeah, you'll be the old voice of God. Wrap it up. Yeah. <laughs> Wrap it up. Uh, you suck. Look at you, little diabetic. I mean, you look like the picture. Of Could you imagine me in some random fan? And by the way, in the wrestling world, you're allowed to do that. Like in the wrestling yeah. world, to the wrestling community's credit, Okay, because I used to be a part of it until I realized how dumb the entire community became. Terrible. It's just absolutely terrible. It's tough to deal with. To their credit, though, the wrestling community is very okay with you looking them right in the eye and being like, hey, you suck. And they'll just look right back. No, you suck. It's like, okay, okay, they got a little fight, a little mm -hmm. bit of grit here, as opposed to, oh, you unprofessional. Because mm -hmm. if you do that now, if I was just to go up to some random football fan that's just sitting there casually, you know, maybe with their kids, which I did down there at the Capitol Wrestling Center, just a parent <laughs> yeah. with a kid just hanging out and i tap on the glass right in their face you suck into the kid you suck too and then both of them start pounding the glass you 
suck. <laughs> if you were to do that to a football fan, could you imagine just some Colts fan just sitting there in the stands, you know, like with their drink or whatever with their kid and me walking off and stopping, bashing their drink. I was like, you suck. I'd get sued. Probably oh, yeah. The Colts would probably have to cut me. No. I would have to come out on a full thing. And wrestling fans were like, oh, just wait till you come back to this town, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. like, hey, that, so I do respect that about wrestling, but it would be awesome to be in a full a full arena. Let's go up to Brett in Buffalo. What's going on, Brett? What's good, young fella? How you doing? Hey, not too shabby. How are you, Brett? What do you want to talk about, bub? Hold on one second. I got... What the hell is happening? Well, you sound Canadian. You're, that's how close yeah. Buffalo is. You know, you got to go across that rainbow bridge there, yeah. going off of, over one of the world wonders there, the, mm-hmm. the Niagara Falls, oh, yeah. which is like a horseshoe yeah. one up second, there. Pat. One second, Pat. Okay, oh, you know, nothing but time. Sure. Nothing but time, Brett. I'm sorry. I'm getting... Fucking God smack in my ears. What the hell's happening? Oh, well, anyway, uh, that's not God smack, by the way. That is, uh, that's not us, actually. That's probably, <laughs> yeah. God damn. What's God smack? Right. That's, uh, there we go. What's a God smack? Oh, there we go. Now I can hear you. What's a God smack song? Hey, what song was it, Brett? Uh, Stand Alone, I think. Ah. <laughs> uh, Stand hey. Alone! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's a pretty good song. Okay. But, yeah. What do you want to talk about, Brett? Okay, I- all right, uh, Pat, forgive me, you know, big fan of the show. Been a minute since I've been back, by the way. Mr. Hawk, how you doing? Uh, I am calling for one specific reason. Boston Connor! I'm cutting a promo on your ass right now. Oh, I never heard somebody actually say they're going to do. Let's go ahead, Brett. All right, pa- All right Boston Connor, you remember weeks and weeks ago, we made a singular bet. It wasn't cash. It wasn't for anything material. No. Okay. Pride. No. Humiliation. No. Okay. Tomorrow, at about 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Uh I am predicting the Buffalo Bills will win the AFC East. Wow. Nice. And I have been holding your name in my ledger (laughs) for the last six weeks. Still got a ledger. Yeah, yeah. No, well, I got a question for you. Are you scared, Connor? Are you scared? Are you nervous? Huh? Is that, oh, oh, yeah. is that what it is, Connor? Oh, yeah. You, oh, yeah. you should be. No. Are you nervous? Are you scared? Are you shaking in your little shitbag pants no, there, no, pal? Hold on. No. no. It doesn't matter if you're scared or not. Destiny's coming for you, pal. That's right. I just got That's one right. question. Do you want an Allen jersey or do you want a Diggs jersey? No! Oh, shit, I'll take a Josh Allen jersey. Yeah, <laughs> Montana, if you can make it. Or it does. Wyoming, sorry. You know, oh, Montana oh, on the brain. Oh, my God. Jeez. Unbelievable. Just can't help himself oh, with the scumbag. The, um... I liked what Brett did there. It does have to nice. feel pretty good for the Buffalo. Not granted, with Taylor Russelino and then Broncos probably get a big dub yeah, here. But if the Bills do win the AFC East, and we talked to Josh Allen, he said, hey, it doesn't matter. if we, we got to keep going here. They, I think they are very focused on not just winning the AFC East, although it, it is the first time that they have the chance to really – the door has been open for a long, long time, no matter who wants to admit it or not. That's just the way it goes. Good for the Buffalo Bills and their fans. And for Brett also, I think he said he wanted you – I saw the thing under there. He, I wasn't going to sit around and wait for him to get to it. Did you guys bet 100 up-downs or something like that? Was that something? Uh, that? Oh, I, I do know. remember oh, that. I actually do recall but that. I now. remember. Well, the thing about me is that the only bets that actually count are the ones you shake on, and I know I didn't uh, shake his hand, so uh, yeah, sorry, Brett. You know, of course, I yeah. win, you lose again, pal. 
Because you're a scumbag. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you win. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Fucking hundred up downs. Hey, bro, me? chop them, dude. You got juju <laughs> on that thing. Hey, you got to do juju on. Oh, yeah. I'll do it on, I'll on a Josh Allen jersey. Step all over it. Man, up downs were the worst, AJ. The worst things on earth. They're only used as punishment. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cardio in general in the sports that I chose to play. You know, yeah. it's, that's why it's hard for yeah. me to get into running or like kind of see people running on the sideline or on the sidewalk, like smiling. It's like my entire life, if I fucked up, I had to do what you're doing right mm-hmm. now for fun. It's, it's not a good correlation, you know. It's like, is that why you do the ladder thing? The burst of climber? I mean, yeah, because it's, I can't sit there and run distance. I've never been able to, especially my knee. There's no, no <laughs> chance I'll make it. But, yeah, and uh, yeah, you got to mix it up, man. I, could, I get bored. I've, I've thought about getting into, like, Bike riding, cycling, like doing that for long distances, but that got boring too. Well, too. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know how they. I don't know how anybody does it. I have hard a lot of seats, uncomfortably uh-huh. sized seats for me. I mean, you know these things. AJ knows. I mean, these things are not easy. You know what I mean, AJ? When I sat on that bike thing, it felt like I was. It was not fun. People do it, though. That Peloton thing is massive. Phil, oh, yeah. CFO Phil's getting mm-hmm. into it now. I mean, it is a huge thing. Too small I, a seat. I just can't do it. it they got to give me one of them, like, uh, Harley lounger seats. Yeah, yeah like Harley. one of those. You give me one of those, I think I'd be able to get into it. But the, the ashes can't do it, dude. You need the big banana seat that's on, like, the beach cruisers? Yeah, beach cruisers. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I need one of them. But it probably gets in the way of the pedaling. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I saw Baron Corbin on his Instagram. He was doing, like, mountain bike trails. Have you ever seen where he's like jumping? It was like his kids. It was like we were kids oh. getting jumping these mountain bikes. He was very tired. That would be fun, I think, if I could yeah, get to that. Yeah. I don't think there's any mountains in no, Indiana. No, a little flat. Yeah, a little flat. Not as flat as Ohio, but that's true. I mean, pretty close to that whole thing. That's why you want to get into biking, by the way. You just kind of get on a bike and it just goes in Ohio because it's so fucking flat. Pedal twice. Get around I'll the get hole. The, I'll splurge on get the e-bike. So it looks like I'm actually working, nice. but I'm not. It's actually oh, oh, the Lance Armstrong. Smart. Is that what he had? Well, I don't know. I guess I Probably, thought there'd be maybe. a little bit more of a affirmation from somebody else there. <laughs> well, no, that's basically uh, it. Just with blood. No, 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 no. Oh, Not just that. There was um, there was somebody else, a bicycle maker, that figured out a way inside of the gear in the thing to assist. Oh, really? It was assisted of a oh. bike, and he was paid off a certain amount of time. It was in some documentary I watched very late night, so I might be getting this wrong, but. Uh, they alluded to the fact that it was almost like it was the uh, U.S. Postal Service team or whatever that oh, was using hmm. these bikes or whatever. I do remember hearing something like that, and it, and it was for when they were like the mountain stages, Crimes. right? Yeah, well, I because think, that's where he used to just fucking crush people. Yeah, and I don't know if it was him or not, or they, they never said his name. Zito's looking it up right now. Zito, have you found anything? Oh, uh, it says Belgian pro cyclist found using bicycle with hidden motor. Yeah, there's like, I forget what documentary is. Icarus? Was it in that one or no? No, the the Icarus one, that guy thought he was the story, by the way. That guy, for the first two hours, you got to sit through this fucking guy trying to act like he's a biker. We don't care, dude. Get to the scientist (laughs) that was hacking Olympics, dude. Fucking get with it. I can't say his name. His name's hard. There's a a lot of Lance Armstrong docs, but this one was another biking doc. Yeah, Femke Van Den Dresky. Oh, Femke. I think the bike the bike industry is pretty crooked, by the way. That feels oh, like, yeah. yeah. The Tour de France in general. Well, I guess everything's kind of What's crooked all? these days, though. Mm-hmm. Isn't that everything? Yeah. They got a World Cup happening in the middle of a goddamn desert, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And everybody's like, how'd that happen? Well, it's one of the wealthiest countries. It was called mechanical doping. 
So maybe it was what you just said, actually, by the way. The Icarus one? For the bicycle. Nah, I don't know. Because Icarus was basically blood. The, just a blood doping. Yeah, it was yeah. Blood, blood doping. And steroids and everything. But it, uh-huh. it became the scandal for that Russian guy who had to go hide out. And then that's why the Olympic athlete from Russia team happened from this one documentary. I saw it the first day it was on Netflix. And it was just Putin's face. And it said Icarus. I'm like, well, I'm going to watch this for Bye. sure. Mm-hmm. And I came in, I think, the next day. And I started talking about you guys. I was like... This documentary is insane if any of it's true. And then, lo and behold, as more people start watching it, that guy has to go into hiding. Mm -hmm. Russia gets banned from the Olympics. I mean, it was like a big expose. But, yeah, I think there was something that said this guy got paid off. He alluded to it being Lance. It might not have been Lance. It might have been somebody else. But, you know, those bikes that you're talking about, you need to get the ones that just kind of pedal for you. A little moped operation, Donner. (laughs) Yeah, pretty expensive. I've seen a lot of the Lance stuff like the documentaries and stories and i've never heard like the the bike situation i've all, i mean obviously they were all you know using interest. epo and blood doping and all that but i don't know about the bike fuck normally my brain does good with this but the fact that you guys haven't found anything is, is kind of alarming maybe i lost it no yeah no start stone cold i mean Still thinking about that? No, yeah, yeah, but I'm just normally something like this wouldn't just come out of nowhere. You know no, what but mean? I do yeah. remember. Uh, I mean, and granted, it might have been you that told. Told, me. yeah, I yeah. think it was. Yeah. I think told it was me. But still, I but do. when I told you, I, I feel like I would have been closer to the information at the time, and maybe Zito's not telling us. In fact, I found some stuff, but like nothing that connected Lance to it. What did it say? Did it allude to Lance? They asked Lance if he ever used it, and he said no. Back then, we had no idea those things ever existed. Okay, but he's also a scumbag cheater, so you can't really. <laughs> On, you can't take dude. that much stock in that. I think everybody was cheating, by the yeah, way. Yeah, everybody oh, yeah. was doing oh, yeah, what he was sure. doing. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't. He was just a scumbag. Yeah, but he raised a lot of money for yeah, people. He did. I, I, mean, I forget. I had a yellow bandy thing. Me too. Everybody had one. Live strong, one. baby. Live strong. Hell yeah. One. Stronger than others too. You want to go ahead and pump some more shit? <laughs> yeah. What's that, Gumpy? You were gonna say you're a big Lance Armstrong fan? I, I like what he did for everybody. Yeah, me too. Yeah. You know, that kind of got wiped away. They stopped, they stopped selling the bands, by the way. They're yeah. like, take I your bands off, cut them, yeah. and don't buy any more. We don't want to raise any more money. It's like, all right, maybe, maybe we still do the good shit, though. And <laughs> I will say, he had the greatest gear of all time. The Livestrong Nike like, oh, shorts, right. pants, shirts, all what that was, was absolutely amazing. And why, AJ, when you get into biking, are you going to fucking dress like you're on the U.S. Postal Service team? Why does yeah, that happen? Why do I see some 90-year-old man wearing those goddamn tights going four miles an hour in a 25-mile-an-hour thing, struggling to get up the tiny little incline that we have in Indiana? Why are you dressed like that? Why are you in my way? Is there not somewhere else you can fucking just mosey around on a bicycle looking uncomfortable at? Well, Less chafing. It's what, and it's what yeah. you just said. You know, he's going four miles per hour, but without that stuff he's going two and a half so True. I mean, you, you put True. that stuff on you're mm-hmm. cutting through the air you know aj do you have one of them costumes oh yeah he does. no and I, I never even like the amount of biking i did is on a mountain bike just going out and around the circle and saying all right this is not really for me to do this <laughs> but i do feel like where especially where i live there's these huge bike paths slash walking paths but then there'll always be a couple guys dressed up in those costumes as you call them and they're holding up 17 cars like i'm like bro just go six feet to the right and you have a whole bike yeah. path that you can get on like there it i'm surprised more of them don't get hit because they're everywhere now i'm not i'm not knocking the bicycle community do your thing or whatever but there's there seems like some members like every community lack self-awareness where hey maybe what you see your friends do that are in your little cycle club do maybe you're not there yet 
You know, maybe you do keep it on the Peloton. Maybe you put uh, the little, there's actually something you could put in the house. We had it uh, growing up where you put your bike literally on like two wheels and it just rolls oh, in yeah. and you they literally just park it in your living room. Tim McAfee used to do that when he mm -hmm. couldn't get out on the streets whenever he was facing the police for speeding through the parks because he was going too fast <laughs> down hills. So maybe do that a little bit until you can potentially go at least one-tenth of the fucking speed limit and get out of everybody else's way. I'm happy we got to this today. That, that is something. That, I mean, granted, we got winter for five more months, so uh, we're not going to see uh -huh. this. But this is just setting a seed in for those people to think about. Maybe this winter, this is what you change coming in 2021. Or, Maybe you're not the four-mile-an-hour bike dressed up in tights guy or lady going into 2021. And when you're talking about costumes, I mean, AJ, you have the chance to have one of the best biking costumes of all time. I mean, you get a helmet that has a hawk on it. You get, you know, wings on the back of your jersey. With that jawline. With the yeah. jawline. I mean, you might be able to break all Lance Armstrong's records. True. Yeah, I'll have to think about it, Connor. If I if my wife gets me a bike for Christmas, I'll get the gear. Oh, is that a hint? Hey, hey Mrs. Hawk hey, dropped hey, a hint right there. Something to think about. I'm to get the guy a bike. Help this hawk needs. fly. Hey, so my, my, not, he is not watching. Don't worry. Oh, come on. Jeez. Why aren't you watching? Let's go to Ryan and Fresno. Maybe she should gift you attention, you know, and, and <laughs> care. How your, about that? <laughs> what do you want to talk about, Ryan? Hey, Pat, the boys. Happy birthday, Ty. Happy Feel Good Friday, gentlemen. Hey, hey, hey. What do you want to talk about, Ryan? Hey, Pat, I want to talk about how the shots are royally fucked now that they got the Rona. Do you think that's going to affect <laughs> yeah. their uh, New Year's Six chances of getting to a college football New Year's Six game? Why don't they just let Coastal Carolina and play Cincinnati there? Just let it happen. They might. Perfect. Just let it happen. Just do it. Cincinnati had to run an issue, right? Didn't they mm -hmm. last week? Yep. Sean Clear's got yeah. it now. There's some college basketball teams, by the way, that the entire roster gets it. I feel like that's a strategy. Smart. I feel like that is yeah, a strategy. Yeah, as long as everyone survives, it's smart. Yeah. It, by the way, everybody's got to survive, but I think they're getting all the antibodies so they can just go into the season, mm -hmm. go open mouth, kiss whoever at any college party they want to go to, do whatever you got to do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, who knows who got sick, who didn't get sick. That's the big thing about the Ohio State. If it comes out that old Justin Fields got it mm -hmm. and some other people got it, then maybe you do have to reconsider the 19 and a half spread but it feels like the books would know who has it and those things would change already so with coastal carolina tough stuff hate it for you guys you guys are gonna have a good year next year by the way good base but i don't think you're gonna get uh that that fucked out of the whole thing i mean you kind of already are with the covid situation though with ohio state isn't it weird though that we haven't heard more so well, you would assume yeah, who, that they're going to yeah. be all right. Did How many guys things, are going to sit out? You tell us, dude. You tell the us. Game's tomorrow. But the game's tomorrow. Shouldn't some kind of information be out by now? You tell us, dude. Terrell Pryor's getting free tattoos. Free tattoos, no Come class, on. everything Come that on. else goes on. You got no class. Not no class. I mean, maybe some. That's all fan bases. But I'm talking about you never having to attend a single class, <laughs> write a single note, take a single test because you were an Ohio State Buckeye. You tell us why nothing's gotten out. Yeah. I mean, that's you just describe my college career perfectly. <laughs> that's yeah. right. Thought so. Hey, at least they want to play, not like Michigan. Oh, that's true. Well, it is the Big Ten Championship and not their sixth straight loss. <laughs> so, I mean, I can't understand the difference a little bit, but at Love least the game. At least boys want to go Love out there and the play. Game. What do you got, Dix? AJ, uh, Laura Nice uh, went into depth on the show about how the hazing and bullying from you and mm -hmm. Bobby Carpenter as seniors when he came into Ohio State. Do you have anything to say for yourself? Yeah, do you want to protect yourself from what he said? Yeah, go ahead. I didn't. Uh, I didn't get to see what James said. I he highly said that, doubt right? that he said I hazed him and I bullied <laughs> yeah. him at all. But he, uh, he definitely walked into a, a lively linebacker room that year. Yeah, you, Schlags, Bob, 
And then James Laurinaitis just dropped out of Minnesota right in there. And, uh, you know, he went on to become two-time Big Ten Defense Player of the Year, and he said if it wasn't for all your hazing, he wouldn't mm-hmm. have done it. Without A.J. Hall. Yeah, he said you didn't really say much, but you were the most devious. Yeah, the uh, whole thing. Something mm-hmm. about a gimp mask. Too. Yeah, do you want to explain yourself? <laughs> a gimp mask, really? Yeah. I don't even know what that is. That I don't even know why that got brought confused. up. It's probably, yeah, it's, yeah, Bobby loves talking about the gimp. So. <laughs> Wow. I don't know what that is. Happy birthday, Ty. <laughs> Happy birthday, Ty. <laughs> Let's go to, uh, oh, fucking Dodgeball. <laughs> Happy birthday, Stone Cold. Oh, okay. Happy birthday, Stone Cold. Happy birthday, sure. Stone Cold, yeah. That's what the gimp mask? You wore that in college? No. Oh, not, he made, never told anyone. Hey, I'm AJ. He made more Nidus wear. Let's go to Call Avery. Mr. Hawk. Let's go to Avery in Atlanta. That's crazy, dude. Yo, what's up, Pat and boys? AJ, happy Feel Good Friday. Happy Feel Good Friday to you, too, man. I just learned something that's kind of a little mind-blowing about my friends here. Yeah, we're just going to ignore the gimp mask. That didn't just happen. But uh, let's see. I'd like to say first shout-out to Ty and his birthday. Also, uh, Stone Cold out there. Yeah, happy birthday to both of Happy birthday, boys. Happy birthday. Thank you. Also, one more shout-out. I want to shout-out to all the McAfee Mafia members and chat every day. We're here every day supporting. Also, uh, we appreciate the hell out of you. Thank you, guys. Hell out of you. Thank you, member. Um, I was actually the one who made the new emotes that were just added. Me and my friend Kyle worked on them, so hopefully everyone is liking all those. Oh, Billy took credit for those, so. Uh, <laughs> he did. He really did. Yeah. Don't say. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, yeah, I made him ask, and I was like, hey, we have the Discord with everybody, and he uh, put them on there. But um, It's very nice of Billy. You're running that old Billy Tubes, Mr. <laughs> yeah, tubes. Attaboy, Bill. Attaboy, Mr. Tubes. Hey, Bill. He gave us a full presentation. Hey, look at these new emotes. Yeah, he did. He had us all stop. We had to stop watching the soccer games yesterday, yeah. all which were electrifying, by the way. Shout out to Manchester United getting back Shut on. Up. Yeah, yeah. Shout out, man. Spurs, you know, after Easy. getting their asses beat by Liverpool. Even oh. though if you're a fan of Liverpool, you do walk alone on a very regular occasion. Uh-huh. Uh, the Tottenham Hotspurs just got no shot. Liverpool, come on, you Reds. You're going to lose the rest of the games. Let's go. <laughs> Top Man. of the table, baby. Done, yeah. uh, Anyways. Once again. Yeah, yeah. Avery, what do you want to talk about, dude? Um, I was going to ask you, I'm not sure if you know this, but Amazon actually has a contract with the NFL for the next two or three years where they can stream all Thursday night football games on Amazon Video and on Twitch, and Twitch streamers can restream the game and basically commentate over it. I don't know if there's any chance that you would maybe hop on there. I know you have the YouTube stream, which we love. Any chance maybe if you get the internet fixed at the house, you hop on and commentate over a Thursday night football game that anyone can do? Great question, Avery. The internet being fixed has been, you know, some hurdles in the way here, okay? Turns out during a pandemic, it is tough to get a plot to kind of take down. <laughs> I guess I got about a mile of wiring that I have to put in. Okay? And, and I have Construction to for everybody. I have to pay for the city to get this done for the entire neighborhood, by the way. And I'm willing to do it. You know, I want to be a, an the neighbor should be saying. So it, it is going to take a little bit to do that. And I do know that Twitch has been doing that. A lot of people do that for those Thursday night games. For me, I just don't want to piss off YouTube. Yeah, like, and I feel like they know. I feel like we got a good thing oh, going on YouTube, too. and I don't want to piss them off. And I feel like YouTube and Twitch are potential competitors at this oh, point, yeah. and I do not want to piss off the YouTube folks because I love it over here. They've reached out to you too. I'm pretty sure Twitch. Yeah, yeah. They said they wanted to build us a studio whenever Zito was running the video games there, and we we're very thankful for them or whatever. But this YouTube thing has been quite a ride, and we are very thankful for Hell it. Yeah. I'm just trying not to fuck it up, dude. We love Tube. We do. Is Twitch really a competitor to YouTube? Oh, yeah. I don't know, dude. You, you, all those massive companies, there's only like five of them, and they're all competing against each other for all the same shit content, right? You got like uh, Google, Amazon, Spotify, uh, Sirius, Apple. Um, 
man, I guess Netflix should get in there. Mm-hmm. There's like six companies up there in the next like five, 10 years who are going to have to, are going to buy everything and they're all spending money. It's everything's a, uh, an arms race right now. It feels like, so I'm just trying now. I'm not, I'm not going to be on YouTube forever or on Sirius forever, unless I am. Maybe that is not the deal. We are currently under with Sirius and YouTube. We do not have a deal as of right now. Uh, so maybe that'll change, but right now I just don't want to fucking piss anybody off. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, I see how you can just get pissed off about stuff. I'm just trying to do my thing and keep it moving, but calling a game on Twitch would be dope. Why doesn't Google get into that game a little bit? Like, huh? They won't listen to us, so I'm not going to say, like, hey, YouTube, why don't you do this for us? It's like, here's an idea. <laughs> they do not care about us to do that. But Amazon's going to buy it outright, I guess, uh, the Thursday night games going into this next contract negotiation because a lot of the networks didn't want the Thursday night, actually. Now, who are they going to have commentary? Are they just going to play, like, the Joe and Troy audio? Because last night I actually clicked on the Amazon, and it was, it was Joe and Troy. I thought they had alternate broadcasts. I thought they had Andrea... Um, Kramer. They had two females, didn't they? I thought. I thought they had a full female. I guess this year they that must have been last year. This that year they must not have done last that. year. So the Thursday night is not one that most of the networks want. If the Andrew Marchand in the New York Post article is accurate, Amazon's going to buy the Thursday night rights outright. I guess because the networks are all putting together packages, and I guess the Thursday one is not desirable for whatever reason. So I'll be excited to see what Amazon does moving forward with that. Hopefully they open it up a little bit. We got that fucking SpongeBob one this weekend. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. All right. I'm sure this idea, Nickelodeon. Can we do an all adult one? Can we do an adult oh, one, maybe? That'd be awesome yeah. if we could do that. And if I don't get the call for that, I won't feel offended. I'll be excited to watch it, knowing that it would be much better if I was doing it. <laughs> yep. So that's you know what I mean, AJ? Who do you think who do you think their first call would be? Who's who's doing it? No, I'm saying if it was the adult broadcast, they're like, oh, we need like a an edgy edgy guy that or gal that's out there that really has their finger on the pulse like who do you think they're reaching out to yeah but i'm saying which network do you think is doing it hbo uh, let's say yeah okay no say amazon say bezos does it well it won't be us because we're youtube so yeah. we're out on that um bezos probably has a deal with the nfl network already so probably rich eisen would be the play-by-play guy Joe thomas maybe yeah, I, would, I would assume it would be nfl network he people. screams after dark yeah, Joe Thomas. Mm-hmm. I think so. He'd be able to handle that. Well, Steve Smith. I hope they Randy. Oh yeah, uh-huh. there you go. Steve Smith would be awesome on there. I'm, in my head right now, I'm just Keep, running through people on TV. Talib. Keep Talib. I'd like to keep Talib on. He's doing a game this weekend. Moose. How's he done? That's a good one. That would be a good one. Yeah. Maybe put him with Mariucci. Him and the Mooch. Moose and the Mooch. Oh, Moose oh, and the Mooch. Yeah. Here on the adult yeah. NFL. Uh-huh. Well, Fitzy and Ma's already getting good practice with Monday Night Tailgate. That's, That's true. true. Yeah, maybe okay. get them on the ground. All right, AJ, let's go through all these. Um, why are they doing a SpongeBob? Do an adult one, will you? Yeah. I mean, the SpongeBob one. You don't think Rogers with the googly eyes isn't going to grab all those young kids? To make them those kids aren't going to remember it happened the next day. They're not going to remember it happened immediately afterwards. They're not even going to have a clue that that happened. Halfway through the game, they're also going to just be like, okay, fuck this. Let's play some Fortnite. You know, let's get on here and let's build some walls. I can actually score this touchdown here. Um, let's go through the AJ Hawk predictions because this prediction segment with you we do every friday has made its way into nfl locker rooms by the way last week aaron Rodgers Mm -hmm. did hear what you had to say about their game and it motivated him it was bulletin board material much more so than juju even dancing on logos Mm -hmm. so let's get to it tomorrow bills at broncos broncos plus six you like the bills to cover absolutely uh panthers packers packers minus seven and a half you like the packers to cover Yes. Bears at Vikings. Vikings minus three and a half. They are favored by almost four points. How do you like it? 
So this one was tough for me. I had to think about it. And you know what? I got to go with Mitch. Mitch and the boys wow. are going to get this one done. Yes. Christ. All right. So you're yes. up three. Or oh, for one at least here on Sunday. Let's go to Lions at Titans. Titans are favored by 10.5 against a team with no coach, no GM, and seems like no quarterback of the future. How do you feel about Derrick Henry and the boys coming off of a 200-yard rushing performance that broke some NFL records? Well, 10.5 points is a lot to cover, but yeah, Titans, I think they get it done in the cover. Okay, Texans at Colts, divisional matchup in Indy. The Colts just came off an ass-beating of the Las Vegas Raiders. They handed out. Colts at home, favored by a touchdown and a half. What do you think? I'd like the Colts to cover here, too. All right, Jags at Ravens. Ravens coming off of Lamar's poop game, alleged. He did not poop. He had a cramp, comes out. Two minutes left in the game, throws a touchdown, wins the whole thing. It was awesome. Justin Tucker, 55 and a half. Uh, this spread is 12 and a half at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, Gardner Minshew is starting, correct? Uh, yeah, he played yeah. a second half last week, though. That should be talked about. Absolutely, yeah. So I think the Ravens win, but I don't think they cover. So oh, you like Minshew and the boys plus 12.5. Patriots at Dolphins. Dolphins are favored by 1.5 at home. Normally, Patriots struggle in Miami late in the season. Yeah, they do. I mean, this is a different Patriots team for sure. But, yeah, Dolphins win and they cover. I think the Dolphins' defense is pretty solid, and, and we know the Patriots' offense has a hard time scoring points. Yeah, Patriots whoa, stink whoa, is what whoa, he just said. Whoa, whoa. You like the Patriots' cover? Do I like the Patriots to cover? Uh, you know what? Check back in on Hammer Down, and I'll let you know. 3.30 Eastern Standard Time. That's a tease. Let's go to 49ers at Cowboys. 49ers are favored by three on the road, but they've been living on the road the last three weeks. This is an easy one. Cowboys all the way. Oh, jeez. All right. Wrong. Wow. This is unbelievable. I thought we had a little integrity for this segment. Let's go to Seahawks at football team. Seahawks are favored by six and a half, traveling across the country. Gumpy, do you have any nukes on Russell traveling east? I think it used to be a pretty good thing for Russell Wilson traveling to the eastern standard time zone. He's 16-4 and four straight up his last 20 against the NFC East. Oh, there we go. There's some, there's some stats right there for you. Alex so- Smith is out, so Dewey is starting on Sunday. Okay, Dwayne Haskins is and the football team are getting six and a half points at home against the Seahawks. DK Metcalf, unbelievable. Obviously, Russell Wilson seems to not be broke anymore. They just beat the Jets by 37 points. How do you feel? Yeah, I like the Seahawks to win and, and cover here. Um, it's kind of weird because you never know with the Seahawks. What are we going to do? Like, is Chase Young going to terrorize Russell all day? Yep. I don't know. But oh. I still think the, the Seahawks will find a way mm-hmm. to win and cover. Maybe six and a half. is If that was seven and a half, I think a lot of more conversations happening. Six and a half, very interesting. Bucks at Falcons. Falcons are without Julio Jones at home. Uh, they're getting six points. Tampa Bay Buccaneers came off a bye last week against the Vikings. They won, but not sure if we learned anything about them. How do you feel like this NFC South divisional matchup will go? Man, I do not like that Julio, Julio is out for Atlanta. Man, I want to – I don't – I'm going back and forth with this. I want to pick the Falcons to win here. I really do. You know, I love picking the underdog, and I'm okay. not. I don't think the the Bucks had a great performance in their last win. I know some people thought, "Oh, they're back." I don't think that's the case. But now I think the Bucks win. Do they cover? <sighs> yeah, if they yeah, they're going to cover too. Wow! Wow! Hey, you took us on a little bit of a ride there. I thought for sure we're going Falcons to win plus two ten, but you got Bucks to win and cover without Holy Jones. Uh, Jets at Rams. Rams are favored by seventeen and a half in Los Angeles. The New York Football Jets, after losing by thirty seven, have to take on Aaron Donald, Jared Goff, and the boys. I mean, seventeen and a half is that the biggest spread we've seen all year? Uh, Uh, No, there was a twenty against the Jets. Okay. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, man, to say the Rams are going to cover 17 and a half, yeah, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. Gonna yeah. Absolutely. Eagles at Cardinals. Cardinals are favored by six and a half. Jalen Hurts versus Kyler Murray. This one's going to be a good game. Probably the under is in play here as well uh, for Tone Diggs. How do you see this game playing out? I like the Cardinals to win. I like them to cover. I like oh. the, the Cardinals defense to uh, mix it up a little bit. Their D coordinator, Vance Joseph, the Broncos' old head coach. I think they find a way to to force Jalen to, to beat him with his arm. And let's see if he can do it. But I don't think he will this game. I think the Cardinals win in cover. The Saints chose not to do that last week. Let's go Chiefs at Saints. Chiefs are only favored by three. Drew Brees will be starting for the Saints in New Orleans just one day after them saying he might be out for a long time. <laughs> He's named the starter by Adam Schefter this morning. Pretty amazing. I, I think it's kind of amazing that the Chiefs are only three point favorites. Same with That's me. Because, but that, it's because they're on the road in New Orleans. But guess what? It's not a full dome, so I don't think it matters as much. Chiefs win and they cover. Okay, Browns at Giants. Browns are favored by six and a half against the Football Giants. Daniel Jones is playing. Not questionable. Playing. Colt McCoy probably oh. playing. Oh, come on! How do you feel about it, MetLife? Man. I would love to find a way to pick the Giants. I don't like the whole quarterback situation, what's going on. I, I don't think the Giants are as, as good as everyone thought they were maybe three weeks ago. So, Browns win and cover. Hey, congratulations, AJ. AJ. Predicting the entire, entire slate. Uh, I have a super boost for this weekend. It's going to win. Hey, it's going to win. Hell yeah. Go ahead and put that thing yeah. up. Yeah. The plus 170 odds boosted up from, I think, plus 110 or plus 120. Uh, I have a three-team, seven-point teaser. Packers have to win. Titans have to cover three and a half, and the Colts have to win. How you doing? Keep it moving. That's going to happen. All we need is the Packers to beat the Panthers. No big deal. Doesn't matter by how many points. All we need is the Titans to beat the Lions at home by three and a half points. No big deal. And all you need is the Colts to win against the Texans. No big deal. Go ahead and hammer that thing $50. Shout out to FanDuel for that plus 170 boost. Can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to the show. I told you it was a good one today. Yeah. Well, and you didn't lie. I mean, it was a great show. Jam-packed. I enjoyed the hell out of today's show, man. I'll remember that Stone Cold. I mean, you know, getting to talk to Stone Cold on his birthday, which is also my birthday. I mean, I'll remember that forever. Happy birthday, Ty. Thank you. Steve Kornacki as well. Oh, yeah. Forgot about forgot about him. James Laurinaitis. Unbelievable combo. Can't thank you all enough for allowing us to do this as a job. Me talking to Steve Austin, obviously, lifelong dream. Kornacki, it's wild that he was on our show. Mm-hmm. I mean, thank you all so, so much. Have an incredible weekend. We got Saturday football. We got Sunday football. And then we got overreaction Monday. I can't wait for it. Be a friend. Tell a friend. From all of us to all of you, thank you so much. Remember to use hashtag end of pod squad to enter in for, I think, a $10,000 cash giveaway from Ty Schmidt. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't thank you enough. Ty, please play some independent music and propel these people into an incredible weekend. Hope you all win all the money from FanDuel this weekend. Cheers.